Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast. This is a weekly interview show that is all about art, craft, and creativity. I produce it in the hope that it will help all of us live long and crafty lives. So let's get to it, folks. It's time to craft sanity. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 73 of the Craft Sanity Podcast. This is a very exciting episode because you got to participate in it. Not long ago, I announced that I was going to be interviewing designer Anna Maria Horner, and you guys went crazy. Several Craft Sanity listeners had suggested Anna Maria. The name kept coming up over and over again. So I finally got around to asking her to be on the show. Not only did she agree to an interview, she volunteered to give away fabric. So four lucky Craft Sandy listeners and Anna Maria Horner fans are going to win a stack of her new drawing room fabric. So settle in with a project or two. You might want to pause for a bathroom break halfway through, especially if you're pregnant because I don't think pregnant women could make it all the way through this episode. It is long, very, very long. I thought about breaking it into two, but I decided not to do that because I wanted all you fabric winners to get to find out if you won by listening to this episode and not make you wait two more weeks. I received over 300 emails within a 48-hour period when I announced that I was interviewing her and Anna Maria put it on her blog as well, and I could not believe it. I mean, my iPhone was going nuts. It was, like, beeping constantly, and then I put it in silent mode because I was at work, and it's, like, kind of, like, you know, vibrating in my pocket, and I felt like I was, like, this is insane. So for a couple days after that, I felt like I had, like, phantom emails coming in. Nothing was happening with my phone, but I was just, like, so – I'd been receiving so much email. So that was really uh, communicated to me that this was a wise choice to have Anna Maria on the show. Check out craftsanity.com for some more information and links to all of Anna Maria's sites. And I'll also link to some projects that she has on her website because she has some great little projects that she's offering for free on her site. And I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I can't wait to get my hands on some of that fabric. It'll be in store soon, her latest online drawing room. Let's get to that interview. Anna Maria, I am so happy to have you on the show. I guess I'm not alone due to the amount of email I've received in the last <laughs> 48 you. hours. I mean, I've been amazed. Clearly, I mean, you have so many fans out there, and that's got to feel awesome. Yeah, it feels great. I still feel a little hard to believe, but it's awesome. <laughs> not complaining at all. I'm just really, really flattered that you even asked me to do this with you. I'm thrilled. Well, when you actually knew what the show was, I was I almost fell off my chair. I said to my husband, I'm like, yeah, um, I think she knows. Like, what my sh- she's heard of, of my show. Of course I do. Before. Listen, we, we're, we're <laughs> listen. I'm I'm online. Everybody's online. We know what's going on out there. <laughs> well, no, I didn't think it was like you ignorance on your part. I just was kind of amazed. I'm like, wow, because when someone I ask knows, I'm, like, I'm always amazed. You Aww. know, because I think I'm talking to five people. You know how it is. Right. You know, you think you're making right. fabric for five people. <laughs> right. I think of just a handful of people. I actually, I, when I design fabric, I, I tend to think of like my blog readers that I'm just designing it for them, and that they're the only people that are going out there and buying it. You know, yeah. but but I get the royalty report, so apparently it's going to more than just my blog readers. And we'll talk about that royalty report or not yeah. later in the show. <laughs> You're living in Nashville right now, right? I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. Yep. 
Well, why don't you tell me a little bit about where you're living? Because your house sounds interesting. Well, it's um, it's a, a house built in the 60s. It's kind of a typical ranch-style house. We're situated in a lovely little area that's only really 10 or 15 minutes south of downtown. But it's kind of neighborhoodish. but also we're adjacent to um, some horse farms and things like that. We only have two acres, which if you're in New York, that sounds huge. And if you're in Utah, it sounds small, I guess. But, um, <laughs> you know, we're on two acres. And... Um, you know, we have views of beautiful hills and gorgeous trees, and it's a very old, mature neighborhood area. So, um, you know, it's it's perfect. It's a it's a great place to live with a five kids and a dog. So. Oh, awesome! <laughs> when you have a big family, your outdoor space tends to be living space. So that was definitely something we were looking for. Well, I'm glad you found a happy place to create your work. And yeah. where did you grow up? Um, I was born in Chicago, but we left Chicago when I was a toddler, and um, my family moved to Knoxville, Tennessee, which is three hours east of here, and again, a, a gorgeous part of the country to grow up in, and just a very friendly part of the world to grow up in, and, um, you know, I had a very typical suburban-type life, and, um, my, you know, my dad is a Greek immigrant, and he had a government job with TVA as an engineer, and my mom had a government job with UT Hospital as a nurse. So they're like the Peace Corps couple, you know, could build or fix or cure anything. (laughs) And um, really that was pretty much what it felt like in our house is that, you know, whatever we needed, we did ourselves for the most part. And I only a handful of times in my whole entire childhood did I remember my parents hiring anyone to do anything. We, um, you know, my dad built things, my dad fixed our cars, my mom sewed, cooked, and very much, you know, they were both raised on farms, my dad in Greece and my mom in Indiana. So they were born out of very self-sufficient families. And um, even though their generation was different, they pretty much carried that on in our family, which definitely, you know, was inspiring. And as far as just being self-sufficient and kind of a creative thinker and making something out of nothing. But in addition to that, I just think each of my parents are particularly creative and talented. My dad is a beautiful painter, and our whole house is filled with his paintings. And, um, you know, my mom set our clothes all the time and just always had a better way to do anything. Wow. <laughs> it was either easier or smarter or faster. So, yeah, that's great. Yeah. So you grew up with that influence. Most definitely. And we also just were not, you know, we didn't have tons of toys and stuff like that. It's not, I mean, we were just very middle class. But um, I would say compared to most of the other middle class families around us, we probably had a lot less store-bought type stuff and really depended more on occupying ourselves than, mm-hmm. um, you know, toys and TVs and gadgets and stuff like that. So I think that was um, definitely helped in the whole learning to be creative and entertaining oneself. So is that a really a deliberate thing on your parents' part? Where they yeah, were like, hey. I think so. I mean, I think that, um, I mean, my dad grew up in Greece, you know, and um, he had you know, a nice home life and a big family, but his father was in the war, and it was just a different time and place, and not that we, you know, we kind of grew up, we didn't really have an old world upbringing, but there was definitely that sort of um, mentality there that, you know, you don't, you know, you don't need to waste your time and money and things that you can do yourself type thing, so, and and my mom, um, you know, her parents were extremely frugal and could stretch it all or, like, nobody could, (laughs) you know, so... I think it was just in each of their natures. I don't think that my parents were the type that read parenting books and tried to find out how to raise, like, self-sufficient kids. You know, I just think it was their nature. Yeah, they probably didn't have time for that with everything no. else they were doing. When <laughs> you're sewing clothes that. for your kids and painting paintings, you know, I mean, in your spare time, that's not right, a lot of time exactly. for parenting books. Yeah. Well, so did you know early on, I mean, did you feel like 
that you were going to go into art or that you felt drawn to that? Or when, at what point do you think you just kind of discovered this in yourself? Um, I can't remember not fiddling with some material um, or manipulating something. Um, I was always drawing, and um, I would um, quickly choose anything, coloring, um, cutting, pasting, building, sewing over a lot of other things. Um, so I don't remember, like, one single moment where I said, I'm going to be an artist, but um, I was the youngest of three kids and probably the more outgoing of us three. And, um, you know, so, and as the youngest child, I just, you know, loved attention and probably got more of it than everybody, but still somehow was completely starved for it. <laughs> this and seems I to happen with the young, my little sister's like that, too. I'm yeah. the oldest of three. I don't know. And so she, yeah, I, I kind of witnessed that with her, too. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> You should probably be having this interview with my brother and sister a bit um, to get the real story. But um, I will be the first to admit that I loved attention. And I think that my parents recognized either a knack or a talent that I had pretty early on. And so, you know, that kind of came to be a way that I would get attention, you know. And I think them recognizing it and verbalizing it, wow, that's really good. You're really good at this. You know, I, all the more I want to do it some more. And like, oh, they're going to love this. You know what I mean? And <laughs> right. I think that that exact same um, – sort of process carries on to this day. <laughs> oh, they like that? That's nothing. Look at this. You I'm going to give the people what they want. Yeah. That's right. Give them what they want. Yeah. So what mediums were you working in as a kid? I mean, what, what kinds of things were you, were you painting, crocheting, yeah. sewing? Yeah. I mean, we didn't, like, I, I can remember some specific moments, like actually wa watching my dad do his paintings. Um, and um, I can remember a very, very specific time when, like, you know, I w was watching him paint this intricate little um, pattern, detailing on this. Um, women's vest or something that he was painting and I just it was this repeat pattern believe it or not and I like I remember like asking him I saw the way he was doing it I was kind of studying the way he was making these little sunray shapes and I remember when I finally got up the guts to ask you know it was an oil painting it was like a big deal and I was little like just barely in school probably and asked if I could do just one little sunray and he let me do it but I didn't have like tons of different art materials and stuff like that I had pretty much your basics Crayola watercolor sets and crayons and you know obviously fabric scraps and um made Barbie dresses, and I think the first fabric things I did, I actually taped together. <laughs> I think I taped, I taped together a quilt for Barbie, and I remember being very frustrated that um, it wouldn't stay together. Yeah, so. they don't, t tape and fabric don't really go well They together. really do not work well at all, and glue guns were not popular, and yeah. they probably would have ended up in the emergency room anyway, so. <laughs> um, so pretty much the basics, nothing special, nothing fancy. Right. Well, that gives the folks at home some hope. If oh, they're, yeah. If they're, you know, sitting at home trying to tape together a, a quilt right now. Right. <laughs> there's hope for you. That's right. But there also might be a sign that if you're an adult taping together a quilt, then yeah. perhaps there's some other issues. Keep at listening. Play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that I've just alienated everyone at home is trying to tape a quilt together Sorry. right now. Sorry about that. Um, but... <laughs> All are welcome here. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, um, it sounds like you, I mean, just had the, you're a very creative, you know, kid and loved to do, make things. And um, as you got older, I mean, I know personally when I, I got to be like high school and college age, I kind of felt like I, I didn't have as much time to do, to make things. So I was yeah. making things less. But did you keep up with it or did you kind yeah. of, yeah, all along? Yeah. I, um, I was fortunate enough to go to a high school that had an honors art program. Oh, which awesome from the day that, you know, my older siblings entered school and they would talk about high school and I knew that there was an art, honest, honors art program, of course, that was my goal, you know, mm -hmm. and um, was to be in that. Um, and I was, and that was great. And that opened up a whole new world of all different kinds of media. And 
Um, I keep in touch with my art teacher to this day. So no, what, what was the school? What, what school I went to Bearden High School in Knoxville. And um, just recently, my um, old high school art teacher pulled me in to do a conference for Tennessee art teachers. And um, she brought back several students. And lo and behold, um, I can't remember. I know his first name is Dennis. But basically, the guy behind um, all the Google illustrations. Really? Like, he also went to... Um, I want to say it's Dennis Wong, but I can't be absolutely sure. But he, he's the one that does all that Google illustration. Right, so every day if you go to Google. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh, he does that. those, and he's one of their head developers. And he went to Bearden High School as well. And, um, but it was cool because she pulled us all together, and we spent a couple of studio days teaching art teachers. And, um, but anyway, so I had lots of um, fantastic motivation throughout high school. But I, I kept sewing, too. I was really interested in it. And I think like a lot of girls, I was extremely interested in fashion. Mm-hmm. But um, to me, like, it tra- like I mean, I was buying tons of magazines. But like I remember, I think at 12, I was subscribed to this magazine called Mirabella, which m- some of you may remember. <laughs> it was a very short-lived um, fashion magazine. But the thing that was so amazing about it, and probably the only reason my mom let me subscribe to something like that so young, was that it wasn't Cosmo or Vogue. Or, right. Um, I mean, you I guess Vogue is pretty fashion-oriented, but it wasn't trash. It was all about right. design and fashion. And, like, that was the only way I could see runway stuff, you know, Right. and top designers. So I studied all that stuff, poured over those magazines. And um, so I, that kept me sewing, and I made clothes for myself and... You know, um, I continue doing that now. I have friends ask me to make stuff, and <laughs> which I didn't do very much. <laughs> I mean, I would, but you know, I was probably a pretty selfish kid. So <laughs> <laughs> you're too busy with your own personal line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, plus it kind of loses its appeal if I mean, because part of the appeal of making your own clothes is that you don't look like everyone else at school. And if you start making yep. your clothes for everybody, that, right? Exactly. And I, um, I, I think that I should say too that um let's see the height of fashion in the late 80s was like <laughs> laura ashley rompers and i have no problem with laura i love all that stuff but um you know my friends would bring me laura ashley patterns to make them those like pant romper pocket things <laughs> and i did one <laughs> i did one for my friend ann and she was adorable at it but it was a real pain in the butt to put together and so i was definitely into like buying some patterns and learning to sew that's kind of how my mom encouraged me but um I would always end up either becoming frustrated with the language because I didn't understand it because um, I wasn't formally trained. I just kind of taught myself, and my mom helped me out when, um, you know, whenever I got my fingers stuck in the machine or something like that. But um, I I was much more inclined to designing it as well and not even using paper patterns or anything like that, but just start cutting and cutting and sewing and holding it up and cutting and sewing and holding it up and, you know, back and forth and back and forth. So, Well, that's cool because a lot of people, once they start using the patterns, they never are able to break away. Right. Because, well, they think that. You're always able to break away. Yeah. Just people feel like they can't break away. So right. we'll have to come back and talk a little bit about this bravery that you have. Um, at this oh, yes. Let's pretend that we Sounds good. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we'll get back to that. But um, so, okay, so you, you went to this honors program at, the high, at the, your high school, and yep. then, um, so what happened next? Well, so, um, you know, I, w- I was able to um, get a few little um, semi-national and local and regional little art awards, and that was very um, inspiring to continue that path. And so it really just solidified my direction in college. And I had grand plans about schools that I wanted to go to, and, you know, either New York or Chicago or stuff like this. I And... Um, I just always envisioned a very kind of, you know, um, posh, 
not posh, but, you know, I wanted a really hardcore art lifestyle. I wanted to be, like, a painter in a loft in New York and just have gallery shows or do maybe do a clothing line or, you know, something very um, ambitious and independent. And uh, But my parents weren't ready me for to fly off to any, you know, big dangerous city. They were quite protective. Mm-hmm. And um, so my sister had started, when I was a senior, my sister had started the Ringling School of Art and Design in Sarasota. And so... You know, that was a very controlled atmosphere. I mean, it was a very nice art school, one of the one or two best art schools at the time in the country. Still a really good school. And so the idea was that I would just go to the University of Tennessee. I shouldn't say just. It was a fantastic program. <laughs> it's a huge school, and it's right there in Knoxville. And, right. Um, so the plan was that I would go there for a year and then go away and most likely go away to Ringling. And so um, that's pretty much what I did. And I, when I first started at UT, you know, there there, it seems like the more popular um, concentration to study there was graphic design and illustration, and it was just when graphic design was really starting to get very computer-oriented, which I was not interested in at all. You know, I wanted to do something more fine art and loosely based, and so I decided to be an illustration major. I guess I felt like, you know, I had a lot more freedom there than doing something more specifically geared towards commercial work, but in the end, I ended up studying um, fine art, actually, with a major in drawing, of all things. <laughs> Most people don't even know you can major in that, but you can. Yeah, well, it's obviously paid off well for you. I mean, you're... So far. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not too bad. So at school, were you finding that you liked art school? Um, yes, I people, loved it. Okay, because yeah, sometimes people who, are, who feel really creative and artistic complain that it, it kind of beats the creative and artistic tendencies out of them. Yeah, well, once I got to the point where I was in upper-level classes, um, you know, and... The, and just quickly, like, you know, my sequence, and I, I know we might talk about it later, but, you know, my sequence in school was um, a little bumpy because at the end of my freshman year, I was pregnant with my first child. I didn't take the semester off. I actually went away pregnant to the Ringling School of Art and Design and intended to finish there, but ended up having the baby in January and then continuing to stay home at, in Tennessee and finish my degree there. So I actually just took the semester off after she was born in January and then got right back into it the following fall. So... Um, wow, and that's that's impressive. How do your parents feel about you going away to uh, school pregnant after, you know, they, it was they were... It a very touchy, sensitive time. Yeah. Um, it helped that my, I went away to school where my sister was. I think they would have done everything they possibly could to prevent me from going away somewhere where I knew no one. Right. I don't know if I would have wanted to, to be honest, but in some ways I did want to get away. Obviously, my pregnancy wasn't planned, but, <laughs> you know, that was just my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, I mean, he was pretty without direction at that point in his life, as most as an 18-year-old boy should be, I guess. <laughs> so he kind of, like, loosely thought maybe he'd follow me down there. He never really did, but we still had a relationship and all this sort of thing. And, um, I mean, I don't want to get, you know, more personal than what people are interested in. But, you know, the path of what I did in my personal life um, greatly influenced the choices that I made through school and, and, and soon afterwards. And so that's one of the reasons I mention it. So by the time I had gone away for just a semester while I was pregnant, came back and had her, and then, I mean, just the simple decision of deciding to stay in school and not just go get a job waiting tables, which, I mean, anything you can do to provide for yourself and a child is is highly admirable. Right. But I think I felt like I had more to work for after that. I think that once I became a mom at such a young age, I think I was even more inspired than I was. And I was a pretty inspired student to begin with, a lot more so than a lot of people around me, I have mm-hmm. to say, at least 
from what they let on, you know. But being in fine art classes and getting up into the upper levels of our fine art program at ET was fantastic because it was like being in a loft in New York. I mean, we had studio spaces. We had our own studios that we had keys to in the art building that we could come 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we worked on series of works. And when we were um, at a point of completion or um, periodically throughout our work in the semester, we would meet with the instructors and our classmates and critique those series of works. And so it was very professional in that regard. And so it was a fantastic environment. And it felt really independent and great, you know, and it felt like I was doing what I wanted to do. And um, in addition to that, I got married in there somewhere and, you know, was able to tote along a toddler to class <laughs> if I needed to, which I did several times. So, No, that's awesome. Did you consider not going on with school or was it something that you're just If I did, cut? I can't remember that feeling. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember thinking that was an option, kind of like I didn't remember thinking that not having her or not making it work was an option. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's just, it was just clear. You knew what you needed to do. and Yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, I think my parents were always that way and still are. They're just very much like, here's what's in front of you, and here's how you do it. You don't do any other way but go right through at the middle of it, <laughs> you know? We were not a family to go take the easy way out of anything. So. Well, that's wonderful, and I know you've inspired a lot of people too with with sharing that. And that brings us to our we have uh, four winning questions that I we're going to be so sprinkling excited. in here, and we're going <laughs> to move to our first question. And this is from Corrine in St. Louis, Missouri. She writes, "I am an artist and social worker, and I used to run a clinic for pregnant teens. Oh wow! Uh, I don't even know if you know how amazing it is that you are so open on your blog and in your interviews about being Aww. a teen mom." So see, this really can, it resonates with people. Okay, um, yeah. In addition to wanting to thank you, I'm wondering how this confidence at sharing something so very personal and very misunderstood is for you, and if your ability to share so beautifully about your personal life stems from your confidence and ability in your creative life. Wow. Yeah, isn't that a nice question? I mean, that's, that's a beautiful question. Yeah. Very well thought out. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try not to say um a lot. Now, can, let me, let me have, add the P.S. here. Just so you, because um, that wasn't actually the whole question. She, she says that, but then she also tacked on a PS and saying, I'm also trying to find the color of your backsplash tie. <laughs> so if you want to share that after the serious part. <laughs> Just like a woman. <laughs> yeah, it's a two-parter. Let's talk and cry for a minute, and then right after that, will you tell me the color of your kitchen tile? I get more questions about my kitchen tile, way more than the teen pregnancy question. <laughs> yeah, well, then if you could kindly answer both, I would love it. I'll answer both. Okay. Um, I, I let's see specifically. I, you know, she's asking kind of like the, I guess the spirit behind my openness. Yeah. I, well, she was talking about the confidence. Like, if this yeah. confidence is really, um, you know, if this is, it, it kind of coming from your your confidence and ability in your creative life. If it's related, if you think it's just a. Yeah. I mean, I, whatever it is, I guess it comes from the same place. I mean, to me, being creative is about expressing oneself and not. Every creative person is verbally or emotionally expressive, I guess. I happen to be one that is. So I think it's just that means of expression, my kind of desire to be expressive in a very honest way. And also because I, I do, I don't, I don't sit back and think about, oh, who could I inspire with this story of my life, you know. But, but I have been fortunate enough to have gone through some rough patches in life that have come out better for it and happier for it and very blessed for it and I guess in a way I feel like I need to honor that by sharing it with people and you know the way my brain works and the way I put things together in my mind and the way I make sense of life and the way I make sense of design and anything that's in front of me is 
it's kind of like this big story, you know, and mm-hmm. I think I kind of have this narrative going on in my head all the time, and um, I think that my um, personal life intermingles with the story that I have going on creatively. I mean, even when I don't want to, um, you know, make my personal life and my path seem insignificant by comparing it to a line of fabric or something like that, but <laughs> with everything that I do, I feel like there's a narrative going on, and um, it gives me a basis to create things, and um, I... Um, I don't know. I'm probably just waffling here, really not even answering the question specifically. I think that it was a well-thought-out one, but all I can say is that um, I feel fortunate to have my daughter, Juliana. I feel fortunate to have a life where I've basically chosen what I wanted to do and done it, and so far it's working. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it's been easy. It's been a very long path emotionally and <clears throat> physically. And, you know, it's interesting, and I should bring this up, and I'll try not to cry, even though I think I'm kind of PMSing right now. But, um, I'm right there with you, sister, so don't okay, worry. Okay, good. <laughs> and all of you out there. Um, here's what's amazing, and I've shared this with my friend Heather Bailey and um, our friend um, Gina Halliday at Quilter's Buzz. We actually sat in the back of a car and talked about this outside a hotel in Quilt Market. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when I became pregnant with Juliana, um, the plan for her and for my then-boyfriend, now-husband, was that she would have adoptive parents. And so when I went away to school, I knew that, you know, I went away to, here, I went away to school pregnant at the Ringling School and knowing that at the end of the semester I was going to be handing her over. And, you know, I went through a private adoption agency, a wonderful group of people, a Greek Orthodox one. I grew up Greek Orthodox and I still practice it and always will. And, you know, we found a private Greek Orthodox adoption agency that found other Greek Orthodox families to match mm-hmm. um, babies up with. And so we, we had chosen a family. And um, so, I mean, without getting into that, obviously that's not the decision we made at the end. (laughs) Right. right. And I just, I don't think that there's, I mean, I don't think there's a mistake about the way this happened, but, you know, I was in labor with her and, um, you know, all the contractions were five minutes apart and all that sort of thing and went to the hospital and and it stopped. And then again, so I went back home. A couple days later I was in labor with her and went to the hospital and it stopped. And on the, on the way home the second time, I just, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, you know, I'm physically unable to give this up, <laughs> you know. Right, right. And, um, and I made the decision at that point to call off the adoption um, for obviously lots of obvious reasons and some, maybe some not so obvious reasons. And um, two days later, I was, you know, lucky enough to give birth to my girl. And here's the interesting thing. And I will tie this into fabric and quilting and creativity. Hey, I'm not worried about it. It's a great story. Yeah, when I was um, pregnant with her, I wanted to send her along with something to her adoptive parents. And what I chose to do was make a quilt. Wow. And um, so obviously we kept her, and we kept the quilt too. <laughs> and, but the funny thing is that we don't know how it happened. But several months later, the quilt just, went, just, had just disappeared. It just came up gone, and we didn't know where and how, where we didn't, hadn't taken anywhere, but, and we've never found it. Wow. And um, it, this is really interesting because, you know, I mean, in a lot of ways, and I was ju- had just started getting into quilting, and so a lot of um, thoughts and prayers and sadness went into, like, the actual making of this thing, you know. Right, right. And so, you know, my introduction to quilting and becoming interested in that happened at such a personally sensitive and delicate time in my life that I can't help but 
kind of carry that through, like what I do and, you know, just my connection with it. Well, absolutely. And um, the funny thing is, is that, and this is totally unrelated, fast forward to present day, but, you know, with every line of fabric that I make, I do a quilt that is is like a downloadable PDF with Free Spirit. Mm -hmm. And um, my most recent quilt, Chocolate Lollipop, which I actually worked on, um, I decided to do that one completely by hand, and um, the, the, the greatest amount of time that I was working on that quilt was um, in the days following my daughter being in a car accident where they were hit head-on by a drunk driver. Yeah, I read about that in your blog. Yeah, and so oh, thank God she was fine, a little banged up and scary, but, yeah. you know, it takes weeks before everyone kind of calms down and realizes that and admits to themselves that she's okay, you know. Right, and, right. You know, it takes a long time to sink in and stop shaking, really. And um, during those days, I was, I mean, that was like a very calming sort of endeavor for me was to work on this quilt. And, like, thank goodness I had something like that to work on at every spare moment so I didn't, like, get scared all over again. And, you know, it was just a soothing type thing. And um, But anyway, when this quilt was finished and sent off, went to all the different shows, and it travels around the country in different places for it to be on display and different sh- and shows and stuff like that, and lo and behold, the quilt has been lost. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. Wow. And I just, like, I was, of course, just pissed that the quilt was lost. <laughs> my fabric company has heard it from me, you know. And yeah. I was like, how could I lose my quilt? I spent so much time making that quilt, and I did that one all on my own and by hand. And, you know, and then, like, all of a sudden it hit me, like, what I was doing during the time that I was making the quilt and how much emotion was poured into it. And now it's gone. And I kind of feel like a quilt is a small thing to lose, you know. Yeah. So, anyway. Well, maybe... it kind of re- represents, like, these quilts are going somewhere off into the universe somewhere. <laughs> You know, I mean, these emotional quilts. So you're like, okay, yeah, here's like another payoff. quilt universe. You know, um, I'm keeping my kid. You know, um, right? But, my goodness. But I just, you know, I don't, I don't know how well any of that directly answers her question. But to sum up, like me, my path, um, my decision to be open, and my connection to my work. You know, that I think. I mean, that's obviously those are some kind of like personal stories that are brought to mind and. Um, how intertangled they all are with what I do every day. Yeah, well, I also just want to commend you on your your authenticity. I think that well, a lot you. of times people that, as they become well-known, you know, and you surely are in the, you know, art and craft world, and, you know, I think there's this, sometimes you wonder, is a person real, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and um, you come across as very genuine, and I think that's that's really great. And part of it is because you've chosen to just, you know, be real, this is your life, and this is your story. And, yeah, and I mean, I know. think that that just still comes out of my disbelief that anybody even really cares, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that, like, when you're talking about a real celebrity, I think there's a conscious decision to be real or not, or how much you let people in, and whatever recognition I've been able to acquire, I certainly appreciate, but I, I still think the larger part of me just feels like I'm talking to a couple of people, or, you know, and I don't think about it often, but I, it has crossed my mind at a handful of times that if you know, if there's a young girl listening out there and she's in the same situation that, you know, it's not, it's it's definitely more the beginning of the world than anything else. Well, yeah, and it's a wonderful example, too. I mean, your choice, and of course, every woman has to make her own choice in that situation, but I think it's wonderful that you've, you've really shown that you can, you can do both. You can be a mom and you can be successful um, as a professional and achieve your dreams, too, and that's really think what makes the story so wonderful and beautiful because you have the best of both worlds at least from my perspective here in west michigan where i can't even see you right yeah now. you know well, i mean can't even imagine how challenging it's been at times for you well like i said you know my family we always like to do things the hard way 
And, um, (laughs) I mean, it's like, you know, I mean, my job, I mean, what I do is very visible because partially because I've um, chosen for it to be on the blog and, um, you know, people are like, how do you balance the studio how, with the family? And I get that question an awful lot. And I love to be able to answer it in a way that's helpful. I'm not sure that I can as far as, like, actually, you know, inspiring someone to do the same thing. Right. I don't even know if I recommend someone do the same thing. But just because, you know, what you see of what I do is, um, you know, exciting and colorful and wonderful and, um, you know, looks like fun, it is. And no doubt it is a lot of fun. But... What I do is not different than what any other working mother does, and there's tons of us out there, you know, whether we're working at a bank or working at a restaurant or wherever we're working. I mean, I'm, I'm just a working mom as well, you right. know, so I, I experience all the same struggles, and it's, it's not any different, you know. Right. I don't think it's any easier. I don't think it's any harder, honestly, the way that I do things here. Since that was such a popular question, maybe for our second Oh, boy, here we go, number question. two. Yeah, another, we're going to do this, and this is going to be kind of a random thing. We're going to go over to the website. Oh, and, you know, while um, I'm doing this uh, stuff over here, why don't you, uh, you didn't answer the backsplash question there. Oh, uh, the What backsplash. color is your tile there? Yeah, so getting to the more important things, the backsplash kitchen tile. <laughs> <laughs> that, let's see, where did I get that? We just remodeled our kitchen a couple of years ago. That was a tile I found at Expo Design Center, which is like the Home Depot company, and it was an Italian glazed brick tile. And the guys told me when I ordered it that it comes, you know, the sample in the store doesn't exactly represent, like, how that tile is going to come in because they make it to order. So the blue is always a little bit different. So, oh, so someone wants the exact same yeah, color. Yeah, someone gonna wants the be... exact thing. I don't know if it would be – I mean, I think it would be close as far as what you can tell on a monitor, but I got it at Expo. That's all I, that's all I know off the top of my head, okay. and I'm pretty sure it was like 4 by 8 in size. Okay. could be 3 by 8. I think it's 3 by 8. Okay, so, so that hopefully will be helpful. Italian ceramic <laughs> tile. <laughs> Glad to be of help. Oh. <laughs> okay. Winner number two. This question comes from Jenny in Huntington okay. Beach, California. Yay, Yay Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> And actually, I'm calling her Jenny. I hope that's okay. I'm kind of being real informal here. She actually identifies herself in the email as Jennifer. But I'm Jennifer, and I don't get offended when people call me Jenny, so hopefully she won't either. Okay. Okay. She's getting free fabric, so she can't complain. (laughs) Right. (laughs) We called her Bill. She'd probably be okay with it. Okay, Bob. Let's answer your question. (laughs) Okay, here we go. She writes, my question for Anna Maria is this. How do you juggle your family time with your working time out of your home? Do you feel you overwork yourself because work is in the next room? Well, you know, <laughs> let's see. How do I make that simple? It's not a simple thing, and it's not a cut-and-dry thing, and it's not eight hours of work time, eight hours of family time. It, I mean, it's really a little here. It's a little there. I feel overworked in both regards. <laughs> I probably feel more overworked in family, but, you know, it's one of those things where I really have always strived to have office hours. These past few months have been the first time in really my whole career since college that all my children have been in school. Wow. <laughs> my youngest daughter, she's four, Eleni, she just started preschool. And as much as I thought she would be there just a few hours a day, like she absolutely like pitches a fit when I come pick her up early. So <laughs> she stays the whole day, <laughs> uh, which is great and awful all at the same time. But so, I mean, really, I mean, this is pretty new for me to be able to have like from 8 o'clock in the morning until around 4 in the afternoon where, I mean, I could just work, 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 work. And, I mean, I thought that's what I'd been waiting for for years and years. And it was kind of sad at first, you know. And it was a little bit lonely in the studio. But I am getting better because of my new schedule. I'm getting better at really being done as close as I can unless there's just something absolutely, you know, gripping and 
edges of your seat got to get done by, you know, beyond when the children are home. But I, I really try, you know, when the, once they come home, like kind of let them finish up, you know, I finish up some things in the studio, they get their snack, they get their homework out, and usually by the time they're wrapping that up, I'm trying to come out of the studio at about 5 o'clock, so I try to keep working hours, but, you know, and, and plus just what I do, you know, with my, I mean, what I do requires sewing and stuff that I like to do anyway, <laughs> you know what right, I mean? So right. I think it's a process of matching up priority with time frame. I think it's a process of matching up different types of work. I mean, my work has so many different varying degrees of focus and concentration that it requires that I try to save the high focus, can't have anyone in the house type things for like first thing in the morning when everyone's off, you know, Mm -hmm. and save the sort of, I can have people hanging out in here with me. I can have the kids on the computer playing around on the studio or in here doing their homework or, you know, you know, handwork or sewing work or, I mean, generally sewing, I can definitely have the kids in here when I'm working, but, you know, when I'm, when I've been writing my book, I mean, there's been portions of it where I like, they don't just have to be out of the house. They need to be on the other side of the country, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So I think it's just kind of knowing myself well, what I can handle. Um, I think it's a matter of knowing the flow of this house pretty well. And I've been a mom for a long time. So I kind of, I I think it's second nature by now, kind of knowing what to expect at different hours of the day and different days of the week from the kids. Mm -hmm. And Five kids is a lot, definitely, but in one regard, because there are so many of them, they really occupy each other, and they do not rely on me for entertainment. Like I, like I remember from when, you know, I just had one or two toddlers. I felt yeah. like they were constantly looking to me for entertainment, and I felt like their cruise director more than I felt like their mom. You know, yeah, like I'm, a cru- I'm in the cruise director phase. You are in the cruise director yeah, phase, most definitely. Like, like coming up with things for them to do, coming up with things for them to occupy them, like constantly just occupy, 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 either – by involving yourself or by just coming up with something in here, go do that. And right. I mean, they really, they kind of do that for each other. So there's a mixed blessing in there. Right, right. And what is the age range right now? Kids? Um, my oldest daughter, Juliana, is 16. And then I have boys that are 10 and 8. And the youngest girls are 6 and 4. Wow. Yeah. But that sounds so fun, though. It is a lot have, of fun. I mean, and, and I know I say that I have two and I feel like I'm going crazy at times. Yeah, so I mean that can, in a very kind way. Yeah. <laughs> and also respecting the fact. Respecting hitting your head up the wall kind of crazy. <laughs> well, no, I think, I mean, holidays and so forth are going to be just so fun, especially as your oh, kids yeah. grow older, too. Oh, I mean, that's going to be, I mean, because I, I look around and I, there are moments where I'm like, oh, it'd be so great to have like three more kids. Like, you know, yeah. or, or seven more kids, you know, and then I'm like, okay, I went through two C-sections. Do I really, really want to do that to myself again? Probably not. <laughs> oh, my goodness, yeah. No, I was fortunate, and that's another thing, too, is, like, I was for. I mean, I know so many people that have had just every difficulty under the sun with yeah. pregnancies and deliveries and yeah. even just health in general with their children or themselves, and, like, I've been very blessed and fortunate to have really good pregnancies, really good deliveries, and that's definitely helped, you know. Yeah, and you had your gap you, you, um, between your oldest. Yeah, she was how- six when the second one was born. We okay. decided we'd finish college and all that kind of stuff yeah and um and so she was six when nicholas was born and so i mean she's kind of I mean, she's definitely i mean she is the other mother in this house as you can yeah. imagine and yeah and the, the youngest the younger that they are for instance eleni the youngest i mean she really she would just as soon go to juliana for something as she would me and she does so from the time juliana was about eight nine ten it's always felt like we had juliana and then two more kids and juliana and three more kids and you know what i mean right She's kind of like, she's kind of much closer to us in terms of, you know, family stature than she is the rest of the kids. Yeah. But that doesn't keep her from being a total goodball and playing with them, too. Right, yeah. right. 
Well, and it, it makes an interesting mother-daughter dynamic, too. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about crafting with her now, because yeah. I know you blog about that. Yeah. Juliana is, of course, I think she's creative, but um, I think everyone around her, her friends and other family members and people that she knows, I think they recognize her as being very creative. And But she is such in a very different way than I was growing up. She kind of doesn't care what people think about what she makes. Like, I was talking about that whole, like, getting attention type thing. Right. Like, I remember how shocked I was, and it didn't hit me until just a couple of years ago, or I guess it was last year when she was a freshman in high school, and she had done this portrait, and I think it was for sale at a, it was like a fundraiser at school, and someone bought it, and it was like, I never even saw an image of it until after it was already sold, and, um, as, you know, someone had bought it, and um, I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so amazing, I can't believe you wanted to sell it, and she was like, yeah, well, I'm like, oh my gosh, don't you want to keep it, and she was like, no, okay, <laughs> I mean, like, I couldn't <laughs> believe she didn't want to keep it, or she wasn't more concerned about it, or, you know, I mean, she yeah. just kind of, it just kind of oozes out of her, and she just does it for, um, she does it for different reasons, you know yeah. what I mean? Well, good um, for her, though. Yeah, but I mean, she's very, she's totally set on wanting to go to FIT, or, you know, do something fashion-oriented, and, and she is quite talented with, she's quite sophisticated taste I think in clothing and yeah <laughs> putting things together in interesting ways so well in the photos she always looks very stylish and yes. in the photos on your blog so yeah well you know and it sounds like we're kind of skipping around here I was just interested in that but I, I kind of want to go back because I know one of the things um in the questions there were several questions on the whole issue of the family work balance and, right. and in several of them people were curious about um you know, how how you were able to kind of build your business and yeah. build things before the point, because you're at a point now where the kids are in school, yeah. at least during the school year. Um, right. But what is it like, you know, what was it like before that when you had little ones underfoot and you're trying to <laughs> do things? I <Man>. mean, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just exactly as how you would imagine or how I know a lot of you experienced it. And, um, you know, what I've done for a living has fluctuated a lot from the time that I started. Like, the first thing that I did when I got out of school was um, a clothing line. Right. And um, I kind of left out when I was talking college because we definitely went the more personal motherhood route. But um, when I was in college and, um, you know, just kind of carrying on with sewing for myself, I started styles were such that there were, like, lots of simple um, silhouettes of clothing out there, very simple, like, um, um spaghetti strap dresses, knitwear, and all these sorts of things that were very stylish at the time. And um, I just started making lots for myself, and people wanted me to make it for them, so I did. And then people wanted me to sell it to them, so I did. And then I started making clothes um, to sell at some stores um, in, in Knoxville. Where I was and this when you were in school. Yeah, yeah, when I was in college. And so I was making extra money doing that, and, and, and they were selling out faster than I could make them. Wow. And so um, as a way, I mean, you know, I didn't have like a lot of job offers <laughs> as a drawing major when Imagine I, that. Um, <laughs> I know I'm gonna look, listen back to this and be like wow I laughed really loud when I said that but um <laughs> I, you know so the obvious path afterwards I pretty much had to come up with what I was going to do no one was offering me a job or there wasn't there wasn't a desk job that I was interested in I guess and um my husband was still in school and we had Juliana was three when I graduated so I couldn't just go do whatever I wanted to do wherever I wanted to do it um so it seemed like a reasonable thing for me to do to continue selling clothing. And long story short, three months after I got out of college, my mom and I opened a shop together. It was called Handmaiden, and it was on UT's campus. And um, we basically had a boutique for three years where we designed and made the clothing right there in the storefront. And I also sold artwork and hand-painted furniture and jewelry from 30 or 40 other artists. And then I also bought lines of clothing like Betsy Johnson and jewelry lines. And so... Um, 
I mean, my first experience out of school, really, my first job was working for myself, designing line clothing, having stores, buying stuff from markets, sell, and retailer extraordinaire, you know. And that sounds so, like challenging and wonderful all Challenging and wonderful is exactly what it was. And, um, I mean, you know, to sum that up, it's just hard. <laughs> so hard. Yeah. It was so hard to stay creative and be a manager, and it was so hard to know that you're making some great stuff, and that, but, you know, just because of the retail environment or your location or whether or not you have more than four parking spaces has, you know, determines how well you do. And I, I found that so frustrating, you know. And I think it was, I think I remember reading on, um, that Alicia Paulson I think also had a store um, when she first started out, or, or, or not when she first started out, but I know that I remember reading on her blog, I think, about her having a store and her mm-hmm. talking about people coming in and saying, oh, I didn't even see your sign. And she's like, I've got two of them. You know, and like, that's yeah, kind of how I felt. Get, I, when I t- interviewed her and she talked a lot about browsers, like people would come in and say, wow, this is really great stuff. And then yeah, they well, would leave, <laughs> you know, and, and it was like, you are making things yeah. like, as good as what should be in a gallery. And that's exactly how people were treating right. them. And, um, so I found that really frustrating. But what it, what I did was realize that, you know, the whole retail process was overwhelming with creative ones. So I needed to get out of that in a hurry. But um, and three years was that hurry, but it was an amazing education on just how a product gets to like that drawing in your sketchbook through all the steps of producing it, sourcing it, the fabric for it, making it, putting on a store shelf, advertising for it, and right. all those sorts of things in between. And so that was um, definitely like baptism by fire. And but just again a great education. It's kind of like I consider that my master's degree in, in, in retail or merchandising or product development probably. But Now during that time were you actually making enough money to sustain the business? I mean, oh was just, it barely. just barely. Yeah. I was taking some money home but not a lot. Yeah. I mean we were just you know rice and beans. <laughs> <laughs> rice and beans. So um, anyway what I hated most about that is how is that how well I did each day it really affected my mood. I mean it made me feel horrible you know and I mean, I think everybody does that a little bit, like how successful their day was at work or, you know, whether someone took them off or whether you took someone else off. You know, I mean, you can't help but take that home with you. But I hated that. I felt like I was doing a good job at something, but how recognized or how much someone was willing to pay for it would affect my mood. You know what I mean? Right. And it was very hard to just take joy in the fact that you've made something beautiful. <laughs> right, because you're thinking, i got to pay my rent. And I yeah, pay my, too much yeah. pressure. So yeah. what I ended up doing during that time was, after about two and a half years, I started presenting my clothing lines to other stores and started selling some of it wholesale to them. You know, that was really trying to facilitate the business at the same time because I wasn't making enough retail to stay open. And then I decided to just transition completely out of the retail business and just do the line at home. So by that time, we had had our second child, Nicholas. And so I went home with a baby, and Juliana was in school. And I did the clothing line at home and continued that way for two more years, where every three, let's see, yeah, every three months, I would show a new line of samples to several stores. Wow. And um, so that was really fun and exciting and just and again, it got to that point where, like, it was going great, but I had to make a decision about whether I was going to hire seamstresses and, or start doing things overseas or, you know, and again, I was just kind of, like, overwhelmed with the whole process of it all, even though I was just concentrating on making clothing. I mean, just the process of getting it out there and getting it sold was so physical and exhausting, and I either needed to go big or stop you know, mm-hmm. and I wasn't excited about going big. So then I went home and I did I did a lot of other things, like, uh, you know, I just kind of scaled down size-wise even and just started doing accessories and handbags and painting. And, and that around that time, we moved here to Nashville, and that was, let's see, I guess it's been eight years since we've been in Nashville. And so for the first few years we were here, 
Um, I had just wrapped up the clothing line, and then I was just, all I would do is kind of sit for about two or three months, and in between mothering and getting used to a new city, I was just painting, and I was doing some sewing, I was doing some accessory making, and then I'd just build up a big volume of things and ask a friend to host a a show at their house and we do it and I'd make a few thousand dollars in one night and I'm like this is great I'm not paying rent I'm not you know what I mean and I can make oil paintings if I want to I can hand paint furniture I can make handbags I can you know do a little clothing if I want to so I was doing this I was doing a lot of hand painting of like wooden bowls and different home accessories and Mm -hmm. things and furniture and and then I started selling some to stores again and continuing doing some more wholesale stuff and again it wasn't that I couldn't find more and more and more stores to carry them it's that I realized I can't sit in a corner and paint this my whole life so that's when we started investigating my husband was really one that pushed this. It's like, you know, you're good at what you're doing, but, you know, you need to let somebody else make it, <laughs> you know, which I had a hard time with. Yeah. Um, I had the hard time with um, what I felt like was watering down my design work. But, you know, when he kind of pointed out to me and reminded me, well, just because, you know, I design for a manufacturer who's going to be making it or mass producing it, that doesn't mean that I can't also still continue to do one-of-a-kind pieces or, you know, to do things in my own personal small volumes and I mean, that's sort of how I got started into designing product. And um, I know a lot of people asked about how I came to be designing fabric. And I essentially was exhibiting my design work at a show called Surtex in New York. Um, I did that for four years. Last year was my last year of that, I think, for the foreseeable future. But I was approached by Free Spirit Fabrics in 2005 based on, you know, what I had on display in my portfolio that Donna Wilder sat down and looked at, and she asked me to do a line. And so that was my first line of fabric. came out in 2006. It's Bohemian. Followed up with Chocolate Lollipop last year. And, I mean, that's kind of it in a nutshell. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember how this started. (laughs) You know, <laughs> <laughs> did you ask me any of those things? I didn't, but I'm glad we're moving right along. Though it's no, I think you're right. Though Pe- plenty of people posted on the blog about wanting to know about your fabric design. I think a lot of times people have these big dreams, like they're setting out to be fabric designers, and it's interesting how the path kind of wound its way toward that for you. But that's not. I what... don't know why it didn't occur to me to just design fabric from the beginning. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> because you, it took a long time to get fabric. here. Yeah. And also, I mean, it's just. Timing has so much to do with everything, and like what the retail industry is doing has a lot to do with everything. I mean, obviously, the fabric and sewing world was growing at the time, and and, and so just the fact that Donna Wilder was out there looking for new people just because there was a demand for new and interesting designs in all genres says a lot. You know what I mean? Right, right. So what was that like for you, though, when you're approached and you're, I mean, clearly you were into the whole idea. Yeah, I was really surprised that, like, based on what she saw of mine, that she wanted fabric. Like, I just, like, I just, I guess because just six years ago or so ago, four, five, six years ago, I don't remember right about when people started recognizing who Amy Butler was, probably about that long ago, and, you know, and she definitely is credited with a lot of kind of helping the sewing world become modern again and people being interested in home sewing and stuff. I mean, the whole DIY thing was happening all over, not just in sewing, obviously with knitting and crafting in general, home making. and um, But even so, like, I mean, just my palette was something that I didn't think that, even though people were doing more modern things in, in, in sewing fabrics and in um, sewing centers, I, I didn't really think my palette was something that people would have a lot of interest in, so I was kind of surprised. But then once I went to the Free Spirit website and saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of get it. I can see how she would want something for me. So it was very exciting. I mean, you know, I was just starting out, and I was designing all kinds of different products. I was kind of doing just whatever people would ask me to do. Like I had a lot, I did a lot of, like, paper party wear and gift wrap and stuff that I really didn't care about that much. It was just project work, you know. It was – you were staying busy. Yeah, staying busy, exactly. And it wasn't something that – 
it's not that I wasn't proud of it. I mean, I think any job that you do your best and you're getting paid for it, that's something to be proud of. But it wasn't something that was very meaningful to me. Mm-hmm. And to, not meaningful to me like, you know, making my own goods or making paintings or something like that. But making fabric was definitely meaningful to me. And um, sewing with my own fabric was hugely meaningful and exciting. But And then once I did that first line and sewed with it, I was like, oh, I, I think I know how I'll do it next time. And then I did talk about lollipop, and I'm like, mm, no, I think I'm going to do it differently. <laughs> you know, I mean... Always trying to entertain myself, really. <laughs> do you have a lot of freedom with your designs then? Uh, do you get Oh, to... yeah. I mean, I'm so lucky. I, I think of several people asked. I get that question outside of this little question contest. I get that question a lot. Um, you know, do I get to make up the palette? Do I get to um, determine the designs and the themes? And the, thing? And, and the answer to all those questions is yes. Thank, thank goodness for fabric. I've been given just really 100% freedom, and, and, and oddly enough, I've experienced more success with my fabric designs than any other product I've been designing, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah, so that is a great feeling where, you know, because a lot of companies that I've worked with on different products, I mean, they are kind of like in, in a corner sometimes about what the retailer wants, and they'll come to me with something so specific, I just I, I can't even be interested, you know? Mm-hmm. So but having this freedom and being able to design fabrics the way I, I want to do them has really... And just experiencing what that's like, and then when it actually succeeds, I mean, it's such a great feeling, and it's really kind of helped me determine my path with with other product categories that I have, and and really, I'm only taking on the more meaningful ones these days, you know, the ones that I care a lot more about, and, you know, things that I actually want to buy myself, and things that I would actually want for myself, or want to give to someone as a gift, that sort of thing, things that actually relate to what I'm doing with fabrics, like... I've been working on um, a few lines of rugs and needlepoint pillows that will be coming out this year and a few lines of, like, aprons and table linens and that sort of thing. And, you know, it's all kind of one big ball of wax. It sounds like you're definitely the sort of person who does not like to just focus on just one thing. And no, yeah. I, always have a lot I would going curl on. up into a ball if I had to do that, I think. Because <laughs> right. multitasking is the way to live. Right, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think so, too. And I just think it's a, a personality type. I always yeah. like to have a lot of different things going on. And I, it's true in my family life. And yeah. <laughs> true in my design life. And I, I, I think, too, that being a, a really young mom basically meant that whatever I did from the very beginning, it was always with a child underfoot. And I think that it's kind of trained me. I mean, from the moment I was an adult, I was a parent. And so whatever work I had, I she was always right there. And then along came more of them. So I think it just... You know, it's not like I went out into the workforce and worked for 10 years and then all of a sudden had to deal with how to work with having a child in front of me. Right. I, I didn't know anything different than just working under the circumstances of right. having someone there, you know. Or And it's worked out, it sounds like, really well. And Well, I'm wondering if you'd be willing to talk a little bit about your process, your design process with fabric, because I know it's something that people were really interested in and you know, people wanted to know if you sit down just with, like, an empty sketchbook and start drawing things or if you have some other computer program that you use and you play around with shapes or what, yeah, what do you, where does all, it all start with? Yeah, a little bit of all of that. I mean, believe it or not, I start with a palette usually before I start with forms. Um, I'm usually sketching out some forms in my sketchbook or, my goodness, it'll be on the back of a you know phone bill if it has to be sometimes if I get an idea. But, <laughs> um, you know, I... Um, I look at clothing a lot. Like, I look at, like, one of my biggest kind of guilty pleasures is runway reviews on style.com. <laughs> and I get a palette inspired a lot of times by, like, a collection of clothing or something from a favorite designer. And, you know, not even clothing that's necessarily, like, um, 
printed, like the prints from this clothing line will inspire my prints, you know. I mean, there's a lot of runway stuff that has no, nothing to do with fabric prints, you know. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, I'll just see a palette that interests me, and that'll kind of evoke um, a mood or an idea or a period in history or something like that. And I definitely my process is one where I sketch, where I collect ideas. And, you know, it can be something so, so simple. I mean, you can take something as simple as, you know, florals and grow it into a big collection of things. I mean, you can you can break down a rose to so many different elements and, and play them out. And I think with designing a line of fabric, I'm always interested, obviously, in the combinations of things and how you can kind of play something more structured or less structured, something completely not geometric and something totally geometric. I mean, I like, um, I, I take into consideration how people use fabrics and how you kind of have fabrics that are sort of more like connectors between other larger, more feature-type prints, mm-hmm. you know. And, I mean, there's a certain balance to strike, I think, in a successful line of fabric, and I, I try as hard as I can to do that, and I try as hard as I can to understand how people use it and how I even sew with it. But I do work in the computer once once I've got a palette determined. And it's funny because, um, you know, I've talked to other designers, and, you know, palette seems to be the last thing everybody does or it seems to be the last thing a lot of people do. I know some designers use, um, you know, they design, um, they redesign vintage fabrics, Right. So a lot of people are starting with a palette already. They're starting with something completely finished, and they're just changing it, or they're changing the scale or shape of things. Like I don't, I don't work with vintage um, fabrics. I just, you know, everything is completely hand drawn by me, or it's hand drawn, and then it's entered into the computer. And I use my husband's a programmer, and so all our um, computers run on a system, a Linux system. And um, so I work on a program called GIMP, which I'm guessing is the most, um, you know, it's most like something like Photoshop or Illustrator. Okay. And um, so oftentimes I am trying to recapture in the computer as much as I can that hand-drawn quality, Mm -hmm. the shape of the line, the way things bend and move. And then other times I'm going, I mean, I'm I'm trying to get it very stylized or geometric. And so there's a push and pull. But, you know, the final way that I hand over the artwork is on a disc and printouts. Um, for color testing that gets sent to the mills overseas so that some designers don't work that way. In fact, I was very surprised to find out that some designers just kind of send in original paintings and they just tell the mill to make a repeat this way and they get it back and they like it or not. But, like, I leave absolutely no question about exactly how I want it, exactly how far (laughs) apart I want the repeat to be. I mean, I make the full repeats and... Oh, really? Yeah, and the repeat, I mean, some people have asked me that a lot, too. Like, do you do it or does company do it? Like, I do every little last bit of it and it's quite mathy. But, um... (laughs) I mean, it's not really that bad once you, it's kind of like, you know, once you get it, you get it. But it's just a system basically just like tile. (laughs) Yeah. Just like backsplash. No, I mean, it's a system of tiling, really. I mean, for no better way to put it, like, you know, you take, say, a square and, you know, you, you place that square in one spot and then you repeat it again right below it and everything needs to match up. So if at the top of your original square there was only half a flower, at the bottom there has to be the other half. So that, you know, when it's all connected it continues and that's a repeat. And there's several different styles of repeat in terms of how they lay out, whether they're all square going down, all square going across, or whether they're staggered, you know, that's called a drop repeat. And so, I mean, there's a lot of terminology involved with that, but I prepare mine to the the hair of, of, of a perfect repeat when I hand it and I leave nothing... I think to the imagination once it's handed in, so there's no mistake about how it's supposed to be prepared and printed. So, so. do you have like some kind of giant printer or something so you can print Not out? Not really. I mean, I work on very large files on the computer. I mean, sometimes the repeat isn't any bigger than like eight inches. Okay. Sometimes so they go just... up to like twenty. Okay. 
You know what I mean? So, um, for instance, like the new home deck fabric, the drawing room, the giveaway fabric, <laughs> um, which reminds me, we probably need to ask another question soon. We do. We but do. Um, we, you know, those were, because it's home deck and those are larger scale items, you know, I'm thinking about how people are using them and what they're using them for, for like bedding and drapery and couches and that sort of thing. I mean, that was generally a larger repeat. So some of those are like 24 inches big, kind of like wallpaper, you know. Since you had never designed fabric before, before you were approached by Free Spirit, I mean, was the learning curve, like, I mean, was this hard to figure out? Like, because you're taking it further than a lot of designers do. A lot right. Of, you know, so w- was that really hard at first, the first time you did it? Or did you it find that? It was a little bit like, you know, putting your head through a cheese grater at oh, first. Goodness. But <laughs> I'd had a little of experience. My sister is a designer. She's an interior designer now. But when I was in college, her first job out in the real world was working for um, Gerber Children's Wear. You know, like all the little onesies and things like mm-hmm. that, have the little repeats and stuff like yeah. it. And I went and did some interning with her at her office. And I dabbled a little bit in playing with that. But So I kind of understood how it was to go, but I didn't know all the terminology. And so that's kind of the thing that would throw me off at the beginning or or really what would throw me off was fitting my ideas for designs into specific size repeats because the mill can only produce it, I mean, for instance, it's a two-inch repeat or a four-inch repeat or a six-inch or an eight-inch or a nine-inch, you know what I mean? So just just playing with stuff and messing around with it and deciding how to do it. And, um, you know, there's room to make mistakes and stuff like that. But once you get it, it's it's an exciting medium. I think now would probably be a good time to ask another question okay. here from one of your fans. Yay. I almost said our fans, but these people our are, fans. They, they are, are our fans. They, they are, are not Jennifer. our Give fans. Me a break. Sure they, they are. are your fans. It will be now. Okay. <laughs> but I'll screw this up. Oh, this is interesting. Ba, 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 ba. Question number three. Congrats go out to Anna Marie. Marie, not Maria. Anna Marie I won my own fabric? <laughs> yeah, you won. You won some fabric. FedEx should be Yay. delivering it any time now. Awesome. And I don't know if she goes Anna or Anna. I guess we'll hopefully she'll forgive I tend me. To, I, I tend to notice that Maria's usually have Anna and Marie's usually have Anna. Okay, so we'll go with Anna Marie. I guess. Walker. And she's in Topeka, Kansas. I looked it up on her Etsy page. Congratulations, she, Anna Marie. Yeah. And she is, judging from her question here, she's a jewelry maker. So oh, cool. here we go. I think I've seen that name before. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I think she's probably uh, commented on a blog or something. Yeah. She writes, I, too, am considered the jack of all trades when there it comes to creative endeavors, but find myself struggling with the letting go of order portion of my brain and allowing my creative side to take over when designing. For instance, when I design a piece of jewelry, I find myself keeping it nicely balanced and mirrored one side to the other, yet I find myself drawn to the free-form world of creativity and would love to just let go. Yeah. Okay, now get ready for the question. How do you, Anna, balance the structure and discipline which is necessary to be profitable at creativity with the free spirit that is creativity? Now that's a profound. Wow. This is she worked First hard all, on I this think question. Right, just yeah. give up jewelry and write. I don't know what your jewelry looks like, but <laughs> that's beautiful. Wow, that is a great question, and um, something. It sounds like her process is something, or, or her what she's calling a struggle is something I can kind of relate to. I I think that um, I think that the tendency towards doing something a little bit uniform at least for me personally, might come out of doing it right or my notion of doing it right. Mm-hmm. And because I am a business person, mm-hmm. I guess I always felt like if I was doing it just completely for fun, I could relax a little bit more. But I don't know if that's necessarily true. I mean, I think there's so many different types of artists. I think your more typical artist, the, the kind of mentality that most people are sort of more accustomed to is that very free form sort of 
um, you know, just very kind of organically create things. And But I don't necessarily think that type of artist is always a business person. So I think that anytime you're in art and you're also in business, I do think it's a balance that you have to strike. And what I do involves so many different types of tasks. Some of them have to be very structured. So I think by the time I get to the actual work of the making mm -hmm. and the creating, it's such a relief that I do kind of let my hair down, if you will, a little bit. But um, the nature of what I create, the nature of designing fabric is a pretty technical and also creative one. So I, I find that I kind of have to tap into both in order to... And this is presuming that I'm doing it right, you know? I'm not even, I don't even want to make the presumption that I'm doing it right, but... You know, I, I, I find that um, being a little bit technical isn't always bad, but I, I can totally relate to seeing something and the way someone else does something that attracts you, and then you wish you could do it yourself. For instance, like palette and color is obviously hugely important to the way that I work, but you know, I'll flip through a magazine and see something very minimalist and very pale, and I'll just be like, wow, that's beautiful, but I can't make myself do it. And I just think that... You know, I, ma I maintain an appreciation for something that's very different than what I do, but I think at the same time it kind of confirms what I do and kind of validates what am I more interested in and what am I best at. So, you know, I don't really know if I've answered the question as far as offering advice on how to strike a balance, but I guess what I'm saying is that, you know, if you're inclined to do something in a structured way, I don't think it's necessarily bad. <laughs> right. She doesn't I, I have to change what she's doing to be successful, is absolutely. what you're saying. Yeah. And and the thing is, is that there's a lot of pressure involved with being creative for a dollar. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something that I struggle with, but probably less now than I was just a few years ago. And part of that means, I mean, part of that I think is because I kind of found a niche. And um, or, or I, I think I understand my design process better. And I think the way that I do art and the way that I make and the amount of structure that I include just inherently matches itself up really well to designing fabric mm -hmm. be because of like what I said you know how it involves something technical it also involves something um, very creative and color oriented and I just think it's kind of like it matches my skill set a little bit and matches my personality I mean like you know I was an honors art student in high school but I also got my highest ACT scores in math which is not a normal combination. <laughs> you know? that's, an, so, that's an awesome combination, though. It's not a bad one. I'm not yeah. complaining, but yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things I can't do. Yeah. <laughs> so. But know that math is, is a saving grace. If you're good at math and you can do, I yeah. mean, or just, um, especially if you're making quilts. Yeah. You know, and, and also just, you know, the people that I get, get, you know, I'm a pretty social person. I mean, I don't go out every night or anything like that. I'm very family oriented, but, you know, I think that the fact that I am required to present what I do, I think the fact that I'm required to, um, I mean, you know, there's a lot of fabric designers out there that have absolutely no contact with people who are buying their fabric, either the retailers or the wholesalers, or, you know, it doesn't mean they're blogging, but I've been fortunate enough to have a circumstance that I can kind of carve out where I can, I can be open, I can be social, I can be interactive, I can, um, I can, I can deal with clients, I can, um, you know, deal with buyers, retail buyers, and that sort of thing, and I enjoy that. So um, I'm fortunate enough to be an experience where I can kind of 
I can kind of do the parts of it that I want to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Well, it sounds like so. you really approach this being true to yourself. Like you're authentic in what you're doing. You're you're following your own personal interests. You're not seeing somebody else do something or make something thinking, wow, that looks successful. I'm going to try to do that thing. You're yeah. doing it your own way. I've tried that before and it didn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work for most people. You know, no. that's what I found is that it does not work for most people. No. Um, and I mean, that's just exactly it. And I've, I've said before, and I, I don't know if it's, might be another girl at play. I don't know where I've said it. Actually, maybe it was my own frequently asked questions. Because <laughs> I get a lot of questions about how to break into this industry, whatever this industry is. I'm assuming people mean craft. And I don't even try and present myself as a crafter because I don't, like, I mean, I'm a, I mean, I do both, definitely. I mean, I'm a crafter in terms of, like, when I think crafter, I think of um, making stuff to sell. I don't actually make stuff to sell very much. I mean, I do a little bit of it, and I'm hoping to do more of it as time permits as far as making fine art and making things for my website. But, you know, for the most part, I'm designing for manufacturers. Most of what I actually create, as in sewing or making objects, I, I do for myself or I do for presentation. As far as, like, breaking into anything, I mean, I think that someone sees success and they see someone and they're doing a, what they seem to be doing a good job of it. They seem to be making a lot of money, which can be misconceived sometimes. Yeah, in the craft world, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, yeah and they that's... seem to be, like, enjoying it and loving it, and that just seems like, wow, if they can do that, I can do that too. Mm -hmm. And that's absolutely true. There's no reason why you can't. But I think sometimes people don't think through whether or not they really want to, or maybe they don't know <laughs> right. enough. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Right. It's like, no, I, I think, think we've, all, we've all had these wild fantasies about, oh, wow, look at that person. They're, they must be rich, and they must have, yeah. you know, they, they look like they're having a great time. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, we all, it's, I think the hardest part in life, the thing we, everyone struggles with, is we're trying to figure out what is our purpose? What right. can we do well right. and make money and be happy and right. be good moms and still make money? You and know still what I mean? understand it's just a job. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like, I'm fortunate enough that the thing I would love to be doing all my free time with is what I'm for the most part doing with my work mm -hmm. but I have to be very honest and say in order to facilitate doing this as my business I literally only spend about 20% of my time doing something that I love right and that's designing fabric everything else and there's so much involved with just facilitating being able to do it that is okay work it's not bad work but it's not like oh my gosh this is so much fun right you're <laughs> like, not like you know skipping through really your house right. Thing, right and I just I mean, I think a great thing to do to get started is for, if it's the quilting industry or if it's the sewing or knitting or craft or book writing industry, whatever design industry, you know, dinnerware design, whatever it is, I think that you really need to look at, like, what are the big trade shows that are kind of facilitating all the happenings in that industry? Go to one of them, walk it, see what it's about, see what's out there, and see if you have something different to offer it. Mm -hmm. See if you have a, a, a different perspective to bring to it. See if you feel like you can bring something new to it, and if you even want to. You know what I mean? Right. Because sometimes, I mean, I've definitely had experiences where, like, in recent years where, like, I've seen a product or a, a designer or something, and I'll say to myself, I can do that. Or, like, oh, my gosh, I want to do that. Or, oh, I can do or, or that. That's not that great. I can do something that good. And, but, you know, someone's already doing it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. So. I think just kind of like matching up what you're really, truly interested in and whether or not you feel like it would be a compliment to what's already out there is an important thing to remember. Because you can kill yourself trying to be just like someone or something else only to find that, first of all, by the time you get around to succeeding at it, it's not relevant anymore. Right. <laughs> you know, or, I mean, I don't even know if I'm going down the right path, but, you know, these are all just floating thoughts I've had about oh, no, I think it's, uh, these are finding your niche. Because that's the thing. I mean, and it has to be your niche, emphasis right. on your. You know, it has to be the thing you as a person want to do, not 
what you Sally's doing and looks really fun, you know. <laughs> so exactly. Yeah. Well, how big of a role do you think your blog has played in your business? You've been blogging for how long now? I started in September of '06, so about a year and a half. Okay. And so, did you notice a definite change in my business? Yeah. I mean, was there as far as sales went? I mean, are um, you selling more fabric now, or? Yeah. Like for instance, like I noticed a marked difference between the first line and the second line and the first line I didn't even know what blogging was I remember my husband always saying you should blog I'm like whatever I don't even know what that is stop talking to the computer to me you know (laughs) and um but then you know when I came across it Heather Bailey's blog was one of the first I came across you know and also the coincidence the fact that we both worked for the same company and fabric wise and so we became fast friends and she's very generous to me and sharing my new, very new blog with her readers, and so that was a, a, a huge perk and lots of fun. And I, I wanted to do the blog generally, and I, I finally like started listening to my husband and looking into what this actually was and how it worked, because I had a web, I've had a website for my business for a long time, but my website originally was definitely constructed just for clients, right? For them to get a view of like my design work, and I used to have like a um, kind of like an artwork gallery on there where they could view new artwork to see if it was appropriate for whatever product they were producing, that sort of thing. I mean, I've worked with like you know more than two dozen different companies doing a range of products and stuff, but I, the more the more I was getting all different types of products out there, the more I was realizing people actually like pick things up and look at the back of it and see the copyright and the name and who it is. And they, you know, they go check that person down and then they write to me and ask me how I do things or how I get into what I'm doing. And I would just find that I was getting a lot of feedback through a website that was just intended for clients. So I was getting a lot of like, quote, consumer feedback for right. other artists or designers. And so I started trying to make my website a little bit more friendly. And I started like putting little small projects and stuff like that on there. I mean, like really lame, tiny little things. But but then, like, soon after that, I found out what blogging was and how the structure of it worked. And I found that that's kind of what I was trying to do with my website. I was trying to, like, update it frequently. And I was like, oh, my gosh, wait a minute. This is what I've been trying to do, you know. <laughs> so I decided to do blogging for kind of just to, like, you know, facilitate um, those questions or, you know, the insight that people were looking for into kind of what I did on a daily basis. And from the beginning, it's been something that is, you know, pretty personal to me and something that I do where I don't feel like I have to have a structure, where I don't feel like I have to think too hard about what I'm saying, and where, I, you know, I'm hoping that I can write it in a way that's just like I'm talking to you right now. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what, I, what I shoot for. I mean, it's, it's, it's been great for me, and I, I never in a million years anticipated the kind of response that I get or the way that it helps people know about you. And so much of being a good business person is letting people know about you or let you know what you're about and, you know, I could be, I could, <laughs> I could be repelling just as many people as I'm attracting. I have no idea. <laughs> no, I, I think it's quite the opposite. Really. I wouldn't know about the ones I've repelled. So, you know, who knows if it's doing a good thing or not. <laughs> but I mean, that is like how the Martha Stewart show found me. That is how like my publishers found me that I'm, you know, for the book I'm working on right now. And I honestly have to say that I don't think that you know, the producers at Martha Stewart would have gone fabric company by fabric company, looked through all the different fabric designers and decided who they liked and had them on. I mean, they were looking at blogs, so, you know, it's weird how that happens. Yeah, it's, yeah it is. You know, but at the same time, is it also, I mean, what is it like for you to, to know that all these people are, I mean, because you get a lot of comments. I mean, people are reading this, and yeah. boy, do I know you have a following because they all emailed me uh, to enter the contest <laughs> for, the free, for, the, nice for, for, for the fabric, you know, which is really um, – but is that – what is that like for you to be in that situation where um, a year and what, a half ago you didn't know that really – I mean, That anyone people, cared. Right. Yeah. Well, and now you, you're like 
told yeah. all the time, you know, you get feedback. Well, I'm, like, thrilled to be a part of anyone's day, that's for certain. And, I mean, I, I feel like it's unfair for, I mean, I, I feel like the support that I get there and the interest that I get is disproportionate to how much I offer it. I wish I could offer it more. Like, for instance, this week I have barely been able to blog. It's just been a really hectic week with pulling all the parts of my book together. But just knowing that they'll be there for me when I come back is a great thing. And, I mean, the support is unreal, and sometimes I go back and read some old entries of where I was just kind of complaining about this or that or being kind of emotional and just be like, what a drag that must have been for people to read, you know? But then just the same, they'll comment and say something nice or say something encouraging, and I find it wonderful, you know? First of all, it took a few months before I felt like I actually, people were reading, and then as I felt like, you know, my subscribers were growing and my number of comments were growing, I went through a period of feeling like it was a good post or a bad post based on how many people commented on it but that's a total trap (laughs) you know what I mean because and I think as women we just kind of do that we're always judging ourselves by how other people how we perceive other people to be judging us and I think I would you know I think a lot of people can get rolled into that a little bit too much and I'm happy to say that I'm at a place where like I'm just as happy if well and it's not that I take the time that people comment I really, really appreciate the time that people take to say something to me or make me crack up or cry, you know? Right, right. But um, I can honestly say I'm at a place with it is good finally because, like, I'm just as happy if, if no one says something as than with I am when 70 people say something, you know? I like getting a lot of comments because I like striking a chord and hopefully people are enjoying being there, you know? Right. But, um you know, if you set out to do it for personal purposes and kind of as a way to kind of vent and even analyze, you know, I do it because it helps me even understand what I do because what I do is so very different days. It's like, it's a journal. It's definitely a journal. I'm not a journal keeper. I don't like handwrite and sit in a journal. I don't have a diary and I don't scrapbook or I don't, you know, I'm horrible. But I think the last time I updated a photo album was like in 98. And <laughs> <laughs> this blog is working out because it's ended up, and, and maybe that's why the blog is kind of personal because I don't have the amount of time that I'd like to have to kind of journal our family life. So, a little, you know, quite a bit of my family life seeps into, you know, my quote art blog. I don't know if it's an art blog, but I'm guessing it is. So. Yeah. Well, I think people, they feel more connected too if they know. I mean, yeah, I got well, a lot of email from people who say, I have a lot of children too. And some of yeah. them had six or seven children yeah. you know, or more. And That's I was like, crazy. No. <laughs> yeah. Five is okay, but man, I don't, you go yeah. for five. Yeah. People always ask me, are you going to have, you know, do you want more? And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want the ones I have. Uh, and you, and you, you don't know if you're going to, you know, announce that in your blog, you know. Yeah. So your husband reads it and he's like, oh, wow, this is interesting, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll let you guys have some privacy to discuss that issue. Yeah, you know, right. That's really none of our business. I mean, point. I don't think six would be a lot harder than five, but, you know, not that a whole human life is insignificant, but, right. you know, when you're living the life, you're doing it anyway. So. Right, right. Well, I think that, um, you know, that it's it's really interesting how craft blogs are really, I mean, there's tons now, and, you right. know, I know it's uh, it gives people a voice. So you're saying, it sounds like you're saying you recommend it if those people have crafty businesses out there and they want to connect. Yeah, if you like it. I mean, if you like writing, I think you have to like it because I think if you don't and you do it just for the sake of doing it, I think you will find yourself burned out or like, why am I blogging or I don't even know what to say or I feel uninspired or, you know, and, and while you don't want to, you know, I'm, I, don't pre- I don't pretend to have any advice on how to write a good blog at all, but I just know that I really like writing and I, I like expressing myself and I like collecting thoughts and ideas in the form of pictures and words and I mean if you if you're prone to liking that I think it's a really wonderful thing to do and just remember that there's more and more and more and more and more and more of them out there all the time and it's really hard to keep up and I feel like 
you know, that growth has been, I've, I've witnessed that growth just in terms of like a year ago when I made a post, like all the comments that I was going to get on one post happened within about the first six hours. And now it's like all the comments I'm going to get on a post happen within like 48 hours or, you know what I mean, or 72 or three or four days. or And it, I just feel like it's because there's so much more out there to read. It takes people longer to come around. You right, know what I mean? right, right. They're reading like 50 or 60 blogs. Yeah, and, instead know. of five or eight or, you know. But there's no rules in whether, like quitting and starting, and, and there's no defeat in not continuing. You know, it's just. Well, it's kind of like the journal. You dust it off every now and then and maybe write something and then don't write anything else for two years. You know, exactly. It's totally up to you. you know? Yeah, if it, it bring, if it brings you fulfillment, I think it's a fantastic thing to do, but I don't think it's something you should feel forced into doing or, or, or you should try and ignore the voice that's telling you they're really missing out on something if you don't do it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to make sure that we talk about your book, Seems yes. to Me, which I think is a fabulous name for a sewing you, book. Darling. Yeah, I, I love it. And, and I think what I, you know, we talked tentatively about having you come back because yeah, I am looking you. at my sheet and I'm looking at the time here and I don't want to keep you on the phone for six hours. Here, <laughs> but Because I have a lot more questions for you. But, but if I have to stop, I have to go clean or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, coming, from the woman who told, coming from the woman who told Martha she doesn't make her bed, I wouldn't buy that at all. <laughs> you don't believe me, do you? No, I wouldn't. I just be, I get off the phone and tell Friday my husband. It's like cleaning day, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. I'm not saying I do it, but so I'm saying yeah, it is my I'm, cleaning I'm gonna say, day. You know, we've been on the phone for a while, so I'm thinking not a whole lot is getting done um, at your house today as far as cleaning. Because I know my house is a stop. As far as your book goes, we, we're talking tentatively about having you back because this is going to be out in October. Yep. Okay. Yeah, we haven't. I haven't even produced the first show yet, and I'm already inviting you back. So Yay. be be um feel happy about that because I don't normally do that. Um. Yay! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Of course, I don't normally get 400 emails from yeah. a person either, so. <laughs> this is my shoe-in, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, there's some interest here. I suspect. I, I can't be sure. Um, so, yeah, tell me about this book. What, oh, well, what's the it book be about? is, yeah. um, obviously, sending has been taking a lot of time over the past year, actually. I don't think it, it didn't start out being, didn't start out being this, um, it never meant to be such a long process, but um, that's mostly because the publishers, um, Wiley Publications, is doing the book, and they came to me originally and asked me to do um, a different title, um, a sewing title that was within a series of books. There was a knitting book, a crochet book, a beading book, and they asked me to do either the quilting or the sewing one, and I, I chose to do the sewing book, and I went off, and it was really more handbook style, kind of, kind of oh, like okay. modern-day sewing handbook style. And so I went off and wrote the first half of that book and turned it in, and it required a lot of research just because I wanted to make sure I was, you know, covering the way everyone sews, not just the way I sew, because right. I think it's pretty minimalist in terms of tools and things like that. So I really had to do a lot of research just to see what was on the market even, you know, and what's available to people to sew with to give an accurate kind of portrayal and advice on sewing. And so I did that. I wrote half the book and turned it in, and they liked it so much that they asked me to write a different one <laughs> instead. <laughs> so uh -huh. I got to start all over. <laughs> Oh, goodness. But, I mean, they, I think that they found that what I was presenting was something that was better suited towards its own single title and not within a, a series of things that was already kind of a predetermined format. Right. And I think they realized that what I did best was a combination of, you know, the writing as well as providing a lot of visuals. The original format of the first book didn't provide a lot of visuals. Like I said, it was very textbook style. So, um, so anyway, this so. The daunting thing was that it was something that I kind of come up with on my own, like how do I want this book to be formatted? And I honestly, like, people ask me all the time what my favorite sewing books is, and I'll be honest, I have, like, one really old singer, like, you know, 5,000 picture sewing machine manual thing from forever ago. Yeah. But I don't have a sewing book. I don't own any sewing books. I mean, for obvious reasons, you know. So your you new know. favorite one is called Seems to Me. Um. That's right. 
by gosh. What else am I going to say? It's this big stack of stapled together papers. <laughs> and I think it's great. Yeah. No, but I mean, I don't, I don't own a sewing book. So, and then because I, I had never bought a sewing book and I, I mean, I've seen several of it. Like, I've seen lots of pretty covers for sewing books on Amazon and stuff like that. But then it became a real conscious decision to not look at any sewing books so I wouldn't be, you know, influenced Stealing by what I saw. Right, or, right. you know, I mean, I mean, I think that if I'm nothing, I, I think that I'm pretty original about what I do. I, I mean, my, my first goal is to um, be as unique as I possibly can. Right. But also as, you know, you need to be saleable. I mean... It'd be different if I was making paintings for, you know, gallery shows or for my own purposes. But, I mean, I am creating a product, so you have to take into account what people want to buy but with fabric and with a book. So, anyway, I mean, obviously my publishers have a good read on everything that's out there. I really relied on them to help me understand what's out in the marketplace and what people want. And But at the same time, I wanted to completely conceive of the book myself. So, the book is basically divided. It's a project book. It's divided into two parts. The first part being mostly just covering basics about sewing, how to get started how to set up your space, how to organize your stash, how to choose fabrics, how to combine color and print, um, what kind of tools you absolutely need to get started, what ones you can probably look forward to having later if you don't necessarily need them now, how to understand all the lingo of sewing, like bias cut and all these you know, different terms of fabric terminology and you know, a little bit about how to look for a sewing machine, what kinds of questions you want to ask, all that sort of thing. So basically just technique and understanding and setting up your space to get going. And then the second half is 24 projects. And the projects are in four categories of sewing for your home and for yourself. And that is the four categories are organize, stylize, decorate, and domesticate. So a little bit of everything. Some sewing for the kids, some for the family, and some for yourself and a little bit of quilting. So, so will there be patterns in this? Um, yes, and yeah. there will also be um, 10 pull-out, fold-out pattern sheets that come with it. Oh, so wow. It's those a lot fun. for twenty four ninety five. <laughs> yeah, th- those are fun. I, I have a couple books that are like, you know, have the pattern in there. Right. It's kind of nice when you don't have to enlarge something on the copy machine. And oh, my gosh. Struggle. Listen, and, and the thing was that I came up against because I did some, I mean, there are some simple things in there that don't require a pattern, and then there's some things that are just described in dimension. In other words, like cut out a six-inch square, cut out a Right, but people three can by, handle that for the most part. Yeah, right. But there are several, I mean, there's full-size garments. So, I mean, even the pattern sheets that are available to me was, was really squeezing, and my editors would suggest oh, well, they can shrink it down. I was like, I am not going to send my readers to the copy store. <laughs> like, I just, I had this thing, like, that just didn't sound like well, fun. people just, you, especially if you get the idea, like, you, you pull the book off your pile of books, and you're like, oh, I want to do this right now, and it's like 1155. Yeah, most of these people have kids, or they the have kids, kids at home, or they don't want to, want to and you yeah, can't, like, I just, load them into the car and be I like. I so wanted for you to be able to have it everything that you need to do it that's my kind of craft book. well good i hope so so what i i mean in fact this has been a really uh, it's been a very busy struggling week with my book and getting all these oh there's so many components to it coming together and i was really working hard on getting the final drafting for all the patterns this week and that's what i was dealing with how it's going to lay it out and so what i resigned to instead of having people shrink things back and forth just because i I feel like that leaves room for even mistakes of like what percentage to do it at and if you're doing it right and (laughs) you come home and what if they're wrong oh my gosh you'd like probably burn the book but um (laughs) which is bad. So what I resigned to was to actually kind of have like pattern sutures, <laughs> you know, where you would join two pieces together. Yeah, which is totally different... doable. Yeah, and tape it together so that what you're left with is a full-size pattern. I mean, you might yeah. have to, you know, I mean, just little decisions like that. I mean, just so many little components and different things that come together. And, and then even within the book and the illustrations of the techniques and stuff, just 
you know, having to deal with the fact that it's only supposed to be 176 pages, and I've probably turned in 220. So, oh, so you, have some cutting you know, it's a struggle. And, I mean, it, you know, this is probably a bad week to talk to me about the book. <laughs> well, it's not, but you know what? That It's real. It's real. It is. And, I mean, and, that's the thing. It's like you know, if you talk to me about the book in six months, I'd be like, oh, it's fantastic. I can't wait. Well, but, that's I mean, why I'm we're going to have you back. To yeah, you're going to have me back you know? when I'm going to be and a great point, about it. It'll be, like, post-delivery. You'll have right, forgotten post-delivery. the pain. The baby's beautiful. We've all had a bath, yeah, right? <laughs> and you've forgotten the pain. And you're, that's right. You know, that, you know, but so. it's just um, – I appreciate books a lot more now. I can certainly tell you that now that I've been through one almost from beginning to end and just everything that goes into it and just the parameters that are set on you from the beginning are, are it's hard. It's hard for it to be exactly what you think it should be, but also keep page count and keep, you know, I mean, all these little details that the publisher has to stick to just to manufacture it and not have it cost $85. Right. You know, so. Right. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing that. And do you have an apron pattern in there by chance? I have two apron patterns. Oh, rock on, sister. A I full one big, and a half one. I am big time into aprons. Um, almost to a scary level. Um, to a scary level. <laughs> well, I wear them out. Like, well, you should. I wear them out. Like, and I don't wear like big. Like, I don't want you thinking. I'm, and, and I hope I'm not offending someone who wears like aprons that look like June Cleaver out. Like, I don't have the big lacy. Like the frilly uh, ones. Yeah, the frilly ones that like. Yeah. I wear them that look like a dress from the front. Right. You know, and it's I, like a, a sexy halter or, cocktail or dress. Or like, or like a skirt. And people, right. you know, and people at work. I actually, I'm a reporter, and I wear these right. to work. Of course, I'm in the feature department, so it's kind of like being in the art department. Right. In, in a, you know high school or college right. but anyway um yeah i love that so well i just think aprons are the best way to not have to get dressed for your company <laughs> yeah that's that's true that's you know true. keep yep. on your jeans and t-shirt you can still look cute yep i love to wear aprons with jeans and t-shirts that's for sure so yep. well i am very excited to see this book and congratulations to Thank you, you very on much. your wonderful success and appreciate um, that you have another fabric line coming out beyond the one that's coming to your door isn't there something yeah, else? that one's coming to my door literally as we speak um Yes, Drawing Room is the one that's out right now. It's my first home deck line. It's going to be rolling out of stores in the next six weeks. And I've already, I actually, I finished, um, the next line is a quilting line called Garden Party. And and I actually, I actually worked on that before I worked on Drawing Room, just kind of the way that the release dates of the oh, other okay. ones. It was just made the most sense to do the home deck one now. And um, the next line, Garden Party, should, you know, we haven't absolutely, I mean, it's, pretty much ready to go. We have absolutely nailed down exactly when we're going to release it. It's probably going to be at summertime. You know, you don't want to overlap them too much. Right, because then Let you're them competing with yourself, space. essentially, in a way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that can't happen, honestly. I mean, you know, they're very, very, very different lines, but... Um, I mean, you know, one's home deck and it's wider and heavier, and then Garden Party is a quilting line, and I'm really excited about Garden Party. I'm always the most excited about the thing that hasn't come out yet, and then it's out. I'm like, okay, great. Now what can I, <laughs> you know? Well, what are you imagining that people are going to be making with the um, drawing board that's going to be hitting stores very soon? Like, what what is your big, your big dream? Uh, with drawing this? room, I mean, I really like. I mean, when I was thinking about that, and I know I mentioned before that I kind of have like a narrative going on in my head all the time about fabrics, and I talked a little bit about that on the blog where I presented the drawing room fabrics, but. I really, I went into designing that line with two things in mind, um, nature and homes. And um, I really wanted to think about, like, the type of things that people were going to be making with it. And um, I, I feel like I've designed the line and, you know, the designs are sophisticated enough that are, um, you know, they're great for home deck. I mean, they're great for drapes. They're great for, um, I just had a vintage sofa upholstered in one of the fabrics, and that was very exciting. And um, But I think they're equally suited for, um, you know, trench coats and bags, and, and they're a perfect weight for more structured clothing items like a little A-line skirt or, you know, like a high-waisted pencil skirt or um, like an A-line jumper for a little girl. Mm-hmm. And um, 
definitely perfectly suited weight-wise for totes and purses and things like that. So, What do you think about aprons? Could you get an apron out of there? Oh, definitely. I don't think you, I mean, this isn't the type of fabric you, definitely, you want to ruffle, so they'll be perfect for you. <laughs> 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 but, um, you know, because it's slightly heavier, but, and it's, it's great because it's not too heavy to quilt with. I mean, it's really lovely. I actually just finished up a quilt with it, and um, it's more of a simple quilt. Um, I don't know if you'd want to get really tiny and PC with this yeah. weight of fabric, but I mean, it's a great quilt, quick quilt type thing. Larger pieces, just simple squares, and and it's just hand tied quilt, you know. So um, it's been a lot of fun to play with. I'm still like waiting on the rest of the bolts. I got 15 of them today. I'm waiting for the rest of them. And you're gonna get 70 some. Yeah, I'm I'm receiving both fabric line sample bolts like all at the same time, so between the two lines of 76 bolts of fabric. Wow. That, <laughs> I know, know it I sounds like think, such a pain, but... Well, it's, it sounds actually wonderful. It's pretty overwhelming, to be honest. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. you don't... I mean, it's it's awesome to have, but that fabric goes a lot of different directions as far as promotion and stuff like that, so, um, you know, that's part of the reason I receive it is to work on samples to promote the line, and then also you're sending it out in several different places. To, so um, you do your own, essentially your own, like, PR for this? Like, I do. I mean, the fabric company will do what... It, I mean, they have their own system of sending fabrics out to different magazines and things like that. But, I mean, obviously just through, you know, the work that I've done over the past few years, I, you know, I have some different contacts and um, within the industry that, um, you know, are always waiting for me to send them a few yards of this or that yeah. um, for possible placement in magazines and that sort of thing, which is really fun and exciting and, you know, something that I never want to get used to because I think I, I love, like, seeing a little feature in a magazine. It's pretty exciting. There's nothing more fun than, like, going down the grocery aisle with the kids and going, oh, wait, I'm in a magazine this month. Let's go look at it, you know? It's awesome. <laughs> And the kids don't even care anymore. <laughs> uh, well, you're mom to them, you know. Yeah, yeah. plain old mom. Yeah. But, you know, it's hysterical. It's like the other day my friend had a little boy over. And, I mean, they could care less about what I do every day. They get so sick of me going, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. But um, a little boy was over, and I heard, um, I overheard my son in the other room going, my mom's been on TV. And the other one's like, wow. Like, yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, but, like, he would never say, hey, Mom, it's cool you're on TV. <laughs> right. So did they think the Martha show was pretty cool when you were on Yeah, the they, and what's cute is they got to watch it during school. Oh, really? Yeah, they and he took their little classroom. Oh, how cool. Yeah, it was really sweet. And I, I felt like a dork asking their teachers. But, of course, as soon as I said, you know, I, I just, I didn't want them to miss it, you know. And, like, I don't even have TiVo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so behind. I'm, like, just catching up to buying a Walkman. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> like, bringing myself into the 80s. But, um, like, I mean, I had friends calling me, like, oh, my gosh, I saw your name on my on my TiVo thing. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm going to be on the show. You know, I'm like, but your name's on the TiVo. I'm like, okay, thanks. Tape it for me. Like, I didn't even, I didn't watch it until, I think it was, like, about a week and a half later did I actually see it. No, 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 I watched it online, like, a couple of days later, like the little two-inch version of myself, and then, wow. which I prefer, but then I saw it, like, on my brother-in-law's big, fat digital TV, and I almost, like, was, like, watching it through squinted eyes, but... Um, well, you did great. Oh, thanks. It was fun. I mean, it was fun after it was over, but... <laughs> Were you nervous? Horribly, and I don't get nervous about anything, really, but I was just, like, from the moment they called me, I thought I was going to throw up, and it took months for it to finally work out, and you know, the exact project we were going to do and everything. But honestly, like, the second it started, and I'm talking about, like, during the commercial break right after I met Martha and right before I did the segment, suddenly just standing there in front of the audience and we were just about to go, it suddenly made sense of how easy it was. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the buildup is... Well, because you have to get all the project stuff ready and... Yeah, that's a hugely long process for just seven minutes of TV. But I, I'm, I'm starting to realize that about one minute of television is worth about one month of work. <laughs> yeah. 
but um well what has it done as far as exposure like on your did you do you get more hits now on your blog um you know i it's hard to say if that's just a natural growth i mean there was there was a there was a, a moderate overnight sort of jump in subscribers um to my blog and a moderate kind of overnight jump in daily readership, Mm -hmm. but not overwhelming. I mean, I think the thing that's interesting about the television is that the people, I'm guessing, that are watching television, and this is just my own little theory, I think people that are buying magazines and bringing them home and looking through them and reading them as they're also maybe sitting online or near a computer are more likely to go and search someone out than someone who's more kind of passively watching television. True. So and I don't know, but and I don't. But what's interesting is, you know, that the producers of the show would follow up with me, and and they want to know my stats and how they change from the time before I was on the show to after the show. And I, I gave them the stats of, you know, how many more subscribers I had just the very next day. They were like, Oh wow, that's huge. I'm like, It is, because I expected more. <laughs> you know, but I mean, it's. I mean, I don't know. I'm just. Well, she is, she is Martha, after all. You know. It is Martha, for heaven's sake. Yeah, right, exactly. she should be able to walk on water. And <laughs> However, I did not, like, I, I noticed that, like, you know, they put all of the um, projects that they do on the show, they have archives and archives of all the projects on the Martha Stewart website. Mm-hmm. And I noticed it got, like, several, I mean, I, like, even that got, like, lots of comments, like, where they put the project on their website. Like, it got, like, 20 comments where I found that, um, or roughly from what I remember, I don't know for sure, but... Um, you know, it's not necessarily that gets commented on something that gets commented on a lot on her site, but um, so that was pretty good. Comparably, it was like from other projects they put on there, so that was That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. What was it like to meet her? It was fine. <laughs> and I had to realize that you know when I'm on there, it's exciting and one of the biggest things that ever happened for me. Right. When she's on there, it's like her job. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> right. Definitely a different level of enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> you have to kind of temper yourself for yeah. fear of like slobbering on her or something. But I mean, I was. I mean, I've always liked Martha and respect what she does and she's very very good at presenting things but I mean the whole show and the whole empire it's a machine you know what I mean there's a lot of people involved what was the most fun I think for anything um, out of everything that I did on that experience was um, meeting all the set designers and the project designers and being in the art department and preparing things and hanging out with them I mean that was just like you know, hanging out with my favorite bloggies or yeah. quilt friends or, you know what I mean? They're just really fun and laid back and pretty useful for the most part. And that was really fun. Like, I could have stayed there for days just hanging out with them and doing stuff, you know? Yeah, here she has, like, the heaven on earth of craft rooms. She you know? does. Yeah. It's not as tidy as you would think. No. Because I wonder if she's been so in there lately because she might not stand for that, an untidy craft room. It's not messy, but there's just a lot of stuff, so it's not necessarily color-coordinated. Oh, okay. So it's not like, you know, Willy It's kind of warehouse slash crafty organized. I see. It's just big it's with just lots of shelves. abundance is the key, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, it's big with lots and lots and lots of stuff, so. Yeah. Um, but that was really fun. They had the biggest, longest table I've ever seen in my life, though, and I wish I had one just like it. Yeah, and then the house to fit it in, right? Yeah, and then the house to fit it in. <laughs> exactly. Well, I kind of feel like I've been in Martha's place because every t- person that's been on there, you know, been on this show that I've interviewed, they I, show I, pictures. Always ask, I always ask and say, oh, so how was that? You yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. what's interesting is how separate she feels from the whole entire thing. I mean, meeting her was such a very small portion of the whole experience. Yeah. Like, for the the amount of time that you saw me on television was the amount of time I spent with her. Yeah, that's what I'm actually hearing. And I think that a lot of us at home think, oh, 
We're so, going to go hang out with her for the day. I was just kind of chilling with Martha today. Yeah. You know, they're having lunch. They're going to have their yeah. makeup put on at the same time and all this, and that's not how it is. But you know what? If I, I was ever to do a show, and I don't ever really foresee that happening to me. You never um, know. Well, you never know, but I yeah, I really have to up my A game to an A-plus game. <laughs> <laughs> don't count on it. A-plus, plus, plus game. But, yeah, it would. I don't know if I could do that. But anyway, what I would always want, the thing I love about being able to connect with people is the time spent with the person. Right. Like, I'm truly, really interested. And I guess when you get to the point, though, her level of success, perhaps, yeah. you know, the time to be I super know. duper like, interested. Where does that even go? But that would be, I think, really hard to like to be like, yeah. oh, hi, uh, we'll be standing next to each other for 10 minutes and then that's over and yeah. you're leaving. And yeah, I, that would be weird. Plus, I'm not brief. Brevity is my, my thing. So I know. I don't, yeah. you know, I did get it. She signed one, the canvas that she worked on, she signed and sent back to me. There were actually, there were two of them. One she kept, but the one that she started working on on the show, it was finished by someone in her department, I imagine. And then, <laughs> and then she signed it with a big Sharpie marker for me and wrote a nice note on it. So that was really fun to get yeah. back. Well, that's cool. So you have a, you know, a memento. I have a memento. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty fun. Well, if we were sitting in the same place, I'd have you sign a tablecloth because now I'm gonna I'm I'm have big plans to have an embroidered tablecloth of people that visit my home. You know. <laughs> Do you know my mom did that? You know, I got the I just got the idea from uh, Kristen Nicholas, who um, I had on the show a couple uh-huh. weeks ago. Yeah, because she has you know, that in her my, book. Yeah, growing up, my mom had this tablecloth that had like handprints. Not handprints, but hand outlines and yeah. all these different names from family members and friends, and um, she'd embroidered the whole thing. That's awesome. So cool. Yeah, I, I totally. All about that until you said that. I totally want to do that. <laughs> yeah, so, that's a great idea. So you should start yours. Yeah, that's a great idea. I've got, yeah. got some spare time on my hands. Yeah, I know. Just skip the laundry and the right. dusting and the sweeping. Did that already? <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. I was like, so I always love it when people say, like, when you told Martha you didn't make your that you don't make your bed. Yeah. Um, I think that's great because I actually don't tell my mom, but I probably haven't made my bed more than maybe five or six times since about, oh, I basically, when I moved to college, I graduated from high school in 94, <laughs> and so I'd say for, it's been, it's been, um, what's the point? It's been, I'm going on, uh, you know, I'll be approaching two decades soon. <laughs> like that. I think I make my bed every time I get new bedding, which is about once every four years. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, then, because you want it to look really pretty and, like, how it looks on the package. I love the way a med- made bed looks. Don't yeah. get me wrong. No, I do, too, but... but I just find that I get so little sleep sometimes that I don't have time to linger yeah. around. Like, I will sleep the extra two seconds, like, right. instead of, yeah. Oh, my goodness, yeah. and it's not like it takes much to make a bed. I know, but you know what? It's just but, not a creative um, process. Yeah, but, like, I always want to see the kids' made beds made, but somehow I don't really care about mine and they're in it a lot more than I'm in mine <laughs> yeah well, and I find that I'm gonna have trouble enforcing that with my girls because I'm gonna have to up my game there that'll be another a game I gotta up oh, gosh. <laughs> we'll see we'll see if it really matters I'll just hire someone you know you know you'll, yeah you'll just hire someone and <laughs> as Martha thought you were <laughs> that was another hey how many questions have we read three? Oh, you know what? we have one last one to do yeah okay. I can't hang up before that okay it's so the last one speaking um, of I feel like someone's gonna ask me if I have a name <laughs> <laughs> no one asked. Which I don't. No one asked that. Yeah, <laughs> you don't have a maid. No maid, no name. Yeah, didn't you fire your maid last week? Wasn't that what you were saying in your email? No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> You're like, Good okay, time. everything went great until the end there, and then she was a real jerk to me. Yeah, okay. Good um, try. This is a, the last question. Tori, and she is in uh, Massachusetts, Marlboro. Hey, I can't say this, Marlboro. Why can't I say the name of the city? Like the cigarette? Yeah, can you say it? Mar- well, I couldn't say my R's until I was in fourth grade, so this is a stretch. But Marlboro? Yes. Okay, awesome. I can't wait to tell my husband because there's a whole handful of words I can't say because I'm not you. great with R's. Okay, back to Tori. Sorry, yes. Tori. 
Tori. <laughs> Who's maybe now jumping up and down in her kitchen. I yeah, think. her feet are um, probably tired. Her question is, if you could dress, and she has dress in quotes here, if you could dress any room in the world with your new drawing room fabric line, whose would it be? Well, like what person would it belong to? I the room think that's what to? she means. I think so. I haven't talked to her about this, but... Um. Hmm. I don't, like, I'm not a big celebrity person. I think I would probably... I mean, I would probably, just anyone who likes it, I'd be happy to do it. <laughs> You're going to get so much email now. <laughs> no, I mean, just honestly, like, right after I was done with mine, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I mean, there are some, like, clothing designers that I really admire. Like, like who? Um, like Balenciaga and Anna Sui and, you know, like, I love Betsy Johnson and who else? I love Blue Marine. I love... Um, I mean, there's just a lot of them, but I would probably love if any of those people liked the fabrics enough for me to do anything with them in their house. Like, as far as, like, I mean, maybe she was asking the question with the intention of, like, some celebrity or something like that, and I'm just not... Well, she also said, like, any room in the world, so... Oh, any room? Any room, yeah. Hmm. I'd love to do something in the White House. (laughs) Yeah? (laughs) Just because. Yeah, just because you could be like, yeah, "Yeah, I'd love to do something in a fancy palace somewhere. Yeah. Um... You know, I mean, any like kind of grand setting and be fun to play it out. It would, and I would, I would love for it to be just a completely bare canvas to begin with. You know, but I mean, I would find just as much pleasure in kind of going to anyone's house who feels like they would like more color in their life, who maybe they don't have it now, and kind of helping them with that too. You know, that's great. Yeah, anybody that appreciates something different, and I it would, actually might be more appreciated. I think on a smaller scale. Yeah, like, like I'm not a. Like, I like to have grand ideas about things in my head as I'm designing fabric, but I'm I'm not a fancy pants person, you know? Yeah. Well, that's cool because, so. you know, I think um, the fancy pants people can afford fancy pants. Yeah, like, like I like mean, the people... Everything's fancy pants. Yeah, you know? the fancy places that I could think of to do it, like, maybe it wouldn't be as exciting as someone who, like, it would really change how their they life. feel about walking yeah. in their room, you know? yeah. So yeah. I think that anyone, I mean, I think I would like to do any room where it really improved someone's feelings when they walked into the well, room and enjoyed answer. it. Good answer. I like that answer. I hope Tori's happy. I hope you're happy, Tori. <laughs> She's going to be happy when she gets a pile of fabric. You get a pile of fabric, yeah. so you can email me and ask me how to do your room. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that, and thank you so much for donating the fabric. That's really oh. cool because, uh, and I'm going to send you, um, I'll round happy up everybody's address for you and send those to you because if you send them to me, I won't give the fabric to the people. I'll oh, just tell you that. Has, I, will, I will keep yeah, the fabric. Yeah, it's like transferring Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> yeah, it's like I, will, I won't eat the fabric, but you'll see all these aprons popping up on my blog, and it'll be like, Wow, she's buying a lot of my how fabric. How did she find this before and the fabric's even available? And then people available. start posting, like they, they start posting about how they didn't get their fabric. And you're like, <laughs> well, I can see what happened here. Yeah. Yep. So, no, I th- thank you so much because I think people are going to be, it makes me very happy to know that we made four of your many, many fans happy. Unfortunately, that's a very small percentage, I think. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's how I always feel. In fact, I think last year, the time, the first time I did a fabric giveaway, I was going to give away a stack, and then I got way more comments than I thought I would. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't give away just one. <laughs> so I think I changed it to four. Yeah, it was very generous of you, and I really do appreciate that, and I hope people love it. And I hope so, too. Be, what's the date? Because we're going to have a couple weeks before this podcast is um, uh, posted out there. Is there a date when people can look for it in the stores, the fabric? The fabric should be, I mean, the dates that we're getting are making me sad because it's not as soon as I'd like for it to be or not as soon as any of us anticipated but 
Um, it looks like the fabrics, if people have ordered them already by now, stores have ordered them, that they should be rolling out to stores at the earliest, probably late March, early April. So everyone that's getting these little stacks are getting them quite in advance of the rest of the world. So that's, that's exciting. exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. And yeah, um, yeah so and are you going to be selling the anything on your site? I am. I sell pre-sorted stacks of fabric on my site. I don't sell fabrics by the yard. There's a lot of great retailers that do that already. Okay. I like to do my, I don't know, I like to put together little packages and stacks. So and you're kind cutting of, all that fabric yourself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I mean, I cut and assemble different little groupings of them either in you know, four full yard cuts. <laughs> I wasn't implying that you had a, like a bunch of a big crew of people. <laughs> no, I don't. People, you know, when I they're just, not making I, your bed, they're 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 cutting the fabric. <laughs> While they're not making my bed or <laughs> taking care of my kids, I wish. No, actually, I don't wish. But yeah, I actually just recently hired someone for a one-time thing to help me do some cutting on the fabric because the fabric selling on the site's going great. So I really appreciate all those people who have chosen to buy fabric from me. Yeah, because um, I was going to say that would get really that would be hard. I mean, to keep yeah. up with that and do all your design. Yeah. Well, it's a balance, and I mean, it's really fun to play store, you know, and I like putting out something in a completely finished product, and I like being able to offer kind of how I like to combine some of the fabrics and put them together in certain palettes and things like that, and I think it makes a fun little gift, and, you know, I'm definitely going to be growing the offerings on my website, not necessarily in terms of fabric, but in terms of the other products that I design for. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start selling some of those goods um, beginning the spring and in the summer, so I'm looking forward to that. Awesome. Well, send me a note when you are, because yeah, I blog I every will. day, and I could uh, let people know um, that you're, of course, I know you just put something on your blog, and like 5,000 people are going to like respond to me. <laughs> <laughs> but I so, have a mailing list, too, so I try yeah. I try not to make, uh, some people do their blogs this way, and I think that's great, because, you know, lots of times people's blogs are kind of their mailing list, and right. I um, recently, like right before I did the Martha show, I remember thinking, oh, I should really have a mailing list so that I can capture those interested people that are coming through, and so I developed that in November, and I've got tons and tons of people on that, and that's great. So I try to send out, like, store information just to the mailing list, and yeah. I might mention stuff on the blog every now and then, but I, I try to keep those things separate. I mean, there's definitely a link to my shop on there, but I'm, I really try not to be on my blog to sell things to people. You yeah. know, well, that's too much pressure. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's really cool, too, that you, that you make that It's too much pressure. Separation. I just want people to kind of enjoy their time there and not be – but if you come to my website, I'm definitely going to be selling stuff to you. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's two totally different things. Yeah. Well, and yeah, that people know going into it. It's a yeah. different format. Just so you know, I will be selling things to you on my website. <laughs> this has been tremendous fun. This has been a really great chat. I am almost going to stop calling these interviews because they're really not, they're not interviews. They're, t- they're conversations. <laughs> no, this is great. I mean, this is, I mean, it, it's nice for me to stop and regroup and think about why I do what I do. So yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. And I'll save these extra questions for the next round. So, yeah, this um, sounds awesome. Because we won't have to do all the, the background. Like, we won't start with your yeah, childhood we'll crafting experience. Yeah, we'll just refer to episode. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I do. When people come back, I just yeah. say, hey, check out whatever it's a episode. It's a new chapter. And people love it when they can, if they just, if they miss, they miss the first one and they can right. listen to both of them right in a row. They also sound crazy, though, because who's going to listen to five hours all at once, you know? But some people do. Oh, some people. Well, I mean, especially yeah. for those of us that spend a lot of time in one place in your house. Yeah, you might as well listen to Yeah, that's true. It's like books on tape. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And only a little more animated, you know. Well, thanks again. Thank you, Jennifer. Really, thank you so much for allowing me to be, you know, personal and all the things. No, that you I did a great job. Try to be, and hopefully it'll come out good for both I th- of us. I think, I think it will. Okay. You okay. Have a good night. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks to Anna Maria for that wonderful, wonderful chat. And those of you who didn't win, Take heart. We're going to have Anna Maria come back and talk about her book later. So there'll be it's another opportunity to uh, get your questions answered at that point. Please visit craftsanity.com to leave a comment about the show. If you have a question, too, for her that wasn't answered and you want to make sure it's on my radar screen, feel free to post it there. 
I also need to issue a thank you to two people who have supported the show. I'd like to thank Nancy in Ronert Park, California, and Beth in Jasper, Indiana. Both of these women have supported the show recently. I really appreciate it, folks. Thanks so much. It means a lot to me. I'm still amazed that I have more than five listeners, and when you do things to support the show, I'm almost beside myself. Craft Sanity is kind of undergoing a little bit of a facelift. Just switched to WordPress. We're kind of moving into a new phase, too, here at Craft Sanity. There's going to be some new sponsorship opportunities, and I want this to be very low-key. So the idea is that if you are anyone from a small business owner, indie business, maybe even Etsy shop, or maybe you just have a blog that you want to promote, we're going to have opportunities for people in all those categories to sponsor the show if they choose to. And it's going to kind of be a, a package deal where you sponsor the show and you get a little ad on the website as well. And I blog daily, so things have changed a little bit there, so there's a lot more traffic on the site. If you want more information about that, I'm not going to personally be handling that. I want to kind of keep a separation between the show content and the sponsorships. If you have questions about it, we're going to have information on the website. So check out craftsanity.com and click the sponsor link And because the show has been so long, I'm not going to do an after show because I think that would just be cruel and unusual punishment. So you guys take care, and I will be back. I'm going to take the Easter weekend off. I hope everyone has a wonderful Easter holiday if you celebrate Easter. I will be back the following week with a very interesting show covering a topic I haven't covered on this show yet, so I'm very excited about that. It's about time because this is a topic, this is something I actually do. It's all about spinning. And I'm a spinner, so it's ridiculous that I haven't done anything about spinning yet on the show. So anyway, you guys take care. Don't forget to craft sanity, my friends. It works for me. Thanks for listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast with Jennifer Ackerman Haywood. Visit CraftSanity.com for more information about today's guests and links to subscribing to the podcast. Want to support the show? Follow the link to vote for Craft Sanity on Podcast Alley once a month. You can also make a donation or buy goods at the Craft Sanity store. Have a suggestion for a future guest or have other feedback? Email jennifer at craftsanity.com. Thanks again for listening to Craft Sanity.